Free Talk Live. More from ForkFest 2020 on the last day of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. That's when you're going to hear this particular show. Although we're actually on Friday as we're recording this because we're in advance. Yeah, man, we've been productive. We have been. We're getting <laughs> it done. It's a productive vacation here. We're having fun and yeah. uh, being productive, which is like the best of both worlds. And so Ian and Aria in our remote studio here at the top of the hill in the beautiful Rogers Campground with Josh Sigurdsson. Did I pronounce that right? That's correct. Okay, good. From World Alternative Media. Josh, you and I have met here and there at like Anarchapulco, I think, right. and uh, last year at Anarcho Vegas. Right. And surprisingly, you have never been to the Porcupine Freedom Festival before. It's Is that right? crazy. I know. Honestly, I do not have an excuse for this. I just have not shown <laughs> up. <laughs> are you West Coaster or something? Where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Winnipeg, Canada, but oh. I've been living for a few years in Las Vegas. I just wrapped up living in Mexico for a few, about three months, and I'm kind of nomadic at this point. I'm all wow. over the place. Now, Winnipeg, uh, is that a province or is that the city? It's a city. It's a capital of the province of Manitoba. It's okay. one of the biggest um, Freemasonic cities in the world and um, the biggest export hub. So I don't know what's going on in that province, but I did hear in Ontario recently they've had this thing called Social Circles come out. Have you heard anything <laughs> yes, about this? Yes, I've seen this. Yeah, uh, it's it's a, another example of how if, if you had Black Mirror and Twilight Zone have a baby, it would be the year 2020 because yeah. um, people are just blindly accepting this. And right. even if they don't accept it, generally speaking, they obey it. And, um, right. you know, it's more because fear. a lot of other people are obeying it. And a lot right. of the corporations are telling them they need to wear masks. And so it's just it's everywhere. It's the crowd. It's a crowd. It's, it's people tend to follow crowds because it makes them more comfortable. Um, it makes them feel more a part of a group. Um, right. You know, accepted among society. Everyone wants to be accepted. I think people have to start accepting themselves, having more um, respect for themselves, rather yeah. than waiting for everyone else to be to you know respect them. Um, I think it comes down to you as an individual. That's one of the basis of freedom is individual responsibility. And if more people recognize disobeying can actually lead to you being able to have more respect for yourself. I, I think you, uh, a lot more people So would. true. Have you seen any of these bell ringing studies where, like, people will come into a doctor's office and, you know, some people who are parts of the serv- or the study will ring a bell and they'll stand up and then suddenly everyone who comes in there is standing up and they have no idea why. They just know when the bell rings they're supposed to stand up. Right, right. Well, there's yeah. another study That's very similar. That's the mask situation. Th- it know? is. There's a study that came out uh, several years ago that I remember watching where they faked an alien invasion and... Um, um, they had a, bu- a test group that was unaware that it was fake. Mm-hmm. And they were walking in the wilderness um, with a tour group, and they uh, made it appear like a UFO had just crashed. Huh. And all these people wow. were freaking out, and these blue, or uh, no, it was green aliens came out of this spacecraft, people in costumes, of course. And um, they got these people together about, I think it was three months later. And they had one guy in the group that was an insider. He mm-hmm. knew what it was. And, yep. But he said, instead of blue, he said they were green. And they, when everyone was asked after that what color they were, every single person in the group said green. Because they were influenced by one guy saying it was that way. And yep. everyone just said, oh, okay, I guess that's the way it goes. And they all repeated. And that's uh, very similar with the masks. Most people know it's stupid. Most people are suffocating the masks. Most people don't like wearing the masks. However, they do because they feel like it's the right thing to do for society because the media told them to. Which, by the way, the media was dying just a couple years ago. And with the divisive content they put forward over the last several years, they're actually getting larger viewership now. 
Well, that may be true, but larger viewership isn't necessarily turning into bigger numbers because right. no one wants to buy advertising mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. So a lot of media companies are having a real tough time. But you, t- you guys are both touching on some really interesting um, obedience studies, basically, yeah. and uh, these sort of conformity uh, studies. And a lot of these, these studies have been done and redone and redone. So it's not like these are like some weird one-off study where, okay, we did this alien crash thing. No, they're, they're, these right. things have been done over and over and over again and mm-hmm. testing how humans... Uh, react to other groups of humans saying or doing a thing. Another well, ex- they're terrified of being different. Yes. They're ter- terrified of being not exactly like everyone else. They uh, don't want to be the black sheep or the lone wolf right. or whatever. Another example of this, uh, another conformity study, is where in a similar to one you were talking about, Aria, where there's a bunch of Confederates, meaning people that are in on the study. In fact, the entire group is all Confederates. There's only one person who is in the group that doesn't know what's going on and so they'll they'll like uh, be in the group and they'll have two different uh, length sticks that are clearly two different lengths and they'll ask people if whether the sticks are two different lengths or the same length or whatever and the confederates go around the circle and they all say that the same length well they're clearly not mm-hmm. so the question is what does the last person who's the actual person being studied say 99 percent uh, of the time i don't know yeah. if it's 99 percent, but it's a lot of the time mm-hmm. they go along with it they go along with the group and they say even if they know the group the is same wrong size yes mm-hmm. simply because they're terrified of speaking up of being, and being different. different yeah yeah exactly yeah. you said di- disobedience can help you with your internal strength and your your belief in yourself right right um you know in a lot of ways it's about being able to sleep at night respecting yourself a lot of the some of the core parts of depression which uh, so many people have especially right now with the shutdown mental, mental health issues are skyrocketing oh yeah suicide think, absolutely domestic abuse all sorts of terrible things and and you know one of the things that really leads to self-respect is going against the grain being independent respecting yourself and um you know that really is a leading cause of uh stopping issues of depression and stuff like that so for mm. example uh years ago state-run media came to me and offered me a show on their their morning show it would have been millions of viewers and uh, they were offering like seventy five grand a year and stuff like that, wow. was and I was making yeah, it was state run media in Canada, the CBC, oh, and wow. I said no because actual state media, okay, yeah, yeah. literally state media. Yeah. Um, and they said, uh, well, we'll pay you this amount, and I said, well will I have my own say on what I talk about mm. and all that and of course and I didn't even want to take it but I wanted to ask and they sure. said uh, well no we we have writers uh, yeah. you'll be writing a teleprompter oh, and I oh, said man. well no, I thanks. want to be able to sleep at night and it was one of the best yeah. feelings even though I was making no money it was one of the best right. feelings to, to turn say that down. no I do not want to work for you guys and um, you know that's a part of the self-respect that I think yeah. people we'd be able to conquer that mental health problem at least to some extent if people started disobeying more I truly believe it I totally agree and it doesn't have to be taking it to the the mat. Like you no. don't have to disobey everything, every time, every issue. Um, and I say this as uh, somebody who's done some civil disobedience <laughs> over the years. Yeah. I produced a movie called Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's wonderful, and it's all about what you're talking about. These little acts of saying no, of committing uh, not just disobedience but also non-cooperation. There's a, right. I think there's a slight difference between the two. I, th- I tend to consider civil disobedience as more of like an announced event. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go smoke pot in a place where it's illegal, or I'm going to yeah. go here and not wear a mask where it's I- illegal, um, and letting people know in advance that you intend to do it, whereas like non-cooperation is when you're just doing your thing and some goon comes up to you from the government and says you need to do X, and then you say no. So in, in the moment, 
when you disobey. That's sort of like a non-cooperation. Yeah, you have to pick your battles to yeah. some extent. I mean, uh, again, it's uh, survivalism is another part of freedom that people have to recognize that sur- sometimes it's better for your own freedom to give in in certain ways. Now, that shouldn't be something, a pattern that you should follow, obviously. Like, for example, when I was living in Mexico recently, I would go up to the police often and get mad at them for kicking kids out of the ocean, for not social distancing in the ocean. And I was this getting... This was recently. Yeah, okay, this yeah. was a couple of weeks ago. And I was getting mad about it, so I was going up to police with cameras and saying, Excellent. like, seriously, that's your job right now? You're you're making money off of taxpayers who are all out of work to arrest and extort children in the ocean. And They were arresting these kids? Yeah, arresting them for swimming in the ocean. So And, and for not walking down the beach by themselves with a mask and stuff like that. God. So in that case, yes, I'm going to stand up to them. They're bullies. Yep. But that doesn't mean I'm going to every single time. Like, right. I was walking down the beach one day, and they said, put a mask on. And I just said, okay. I didn't put the mask on, but I said, okay. I kept walking. <laughs> I could have stopped and said, you're an idiot, you know. Mm-hmm. But instead, I just kept walking. Kept walking, yep. and they it's not like they were going to chase me down. Nope. So, And if they did, then, uh, then, then things the could escalate out. a little then bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, folks can go and watch. You do videos, and you were just actually interviewing some folks uh, mm-hmm. down the down the street here about disobedience as far as the masks are concerned in California. You said you're kind of floating around these days. Where are you at yeah. generally? Uh, I am nowhere really. I okay. honestly, I can't really put it. I'm, I'm running to Vegas for a little while, Phoenix for a while. Were you the one who told us yesterday that Vegas is now mandatory masks? Mandatory masks in Las Vegas as of yesterday. Um, which is absolutely insane because be uh, people yeah. in Las Vegas are usually pretty resistant. It's weird because it's a very it's a lefty state. Hold in that one thought. Way. Do you want to keep going? Yeah, we sure. can go for another second yeah. here. In moments, we'll uh, continue with Josh Sig- Sigurdsson from World Alternative Media. This is Free Talk Live at Forkfest 2020. This is Free Talk Live. We're at ForkFest 2020. You can go to ForkFest.party to learn more about the event. And you can also go to Bitcoin.com to learn more about Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, cryptocurrency in general. It is a great time now, meaning, to go and do that because Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency isn't going away and probably will not go away in our lifetimes. So you really ought to take the time to go and you know just go through the basics over at Bitcoin.com, and they are pretty good at doing that there. But if you're not brand new to Bitcoin, you can also get the latest news headlines from their news site at news.bitcoin.com. Head on over there. Once again, it's Bitcoin.com. Ian and Aria here with Josh Sigurdsson from World Alternative Media. You can follow him on the float uh, app, which yeah. is a new thing, and hopefully we're going to get Kingsley and or Aaron over here at some point, because I know they're here, yeah. uh, the uh, the founders of that, and founders also of Anarcho Vegas at some point within the next day or so to talk to them. But uh, So somebody could just search for your name there, right, Josh? Josh right, uh, at float.app, F-L-O-T-E dot A-P-P, you can find me at at Josh Sigurdsson, as well as at WAM, W-A-M, um, easy to find me on there. You had mentioned before the show. I know you were talking about something. Do you want to continue whatever that thought was? I don't remember. Uh, well, I, I should just <laughs> conclude it. Uh, we're top-notch professionals yes. here. <laughs> Broad, broadcast uh, professionals. Well, okay. So um, regarding the mask um, enforcement in Las Vegas, uh, it's it's oh, quite yeah. interesting because um, they've basically told people that if they don't wear a mask walking down the street in 120 degrees, yeah. that they can be arrested. And it's really strange because Las Vegas, well, Nevada, I should say, is in one way as far as the state 
state government goes, super lefty. And as far as the um, municipal government goes, super right wing. And it's like this weird mixture of people walking down the street um, with AR-15s on their back smoking weed, which I'm all for. Yeah, um, sure. That's and, Blood Fest. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's pretty cool. But, um, you know, they're, they're really, there's a huge section of the population that's super anti-police there. And then a huge second, a section of the po- uh, population that have Gadsden flags next to thin blue line uh, flags on their vehicles and a lot of confused people. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I That's honestly, everywhere. well, I mean, you know, there's one loophole to this mask um, issue in Las Vegas is that if you carry an alcoholic drink on you at all times, you don't have to wear the mask. Uh, so right. if you drink all I'm day, go. you're good. It Las Vegas, legal, right? Because in yeah. Vegas, you can walk down the street with a with alcohol. Container. So yeah, no the home, lost wages, just walk down the street from morning to night with an alcoholic drink. Uh, all set. You know, get comfy. Yeah. Well, because uh, Aria and I are uh, planning to go to Anarcho Vegas, so mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see you there. But uh, my step number one is getting on an airplane without a mask, huh. and I'm not going to put a mask on again on an airplane. Alaska I've, Airlines. I've heard that some airlines are just ignoring it, and others aren't, so I don't know what's going to happen there. We've already got tickets, uh, so we'll see if they let me on. Hopefully we can make it there, and then hopefully we can make it to the venue without being arrested for not wearing masks, because you're not going to put one on in Vegas. No, as soon as I get off the plane, that mask is coming off, and it's yeah. not going back on. Yeah, so... Well, Hopefully you we'll can you. you can call for uh, call discrimination um, regarding uh, any medical exemptions. So, for example, I have asthma. I was able to get on an Alaska Airlines. Exemption. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I you could use any. Uh, there's lots of exemptions. The problem is, um, I went on a Spirit Airline flight. I know I'm poor. Um, and I got on the flight, and they, uh, the woman actually told me that by not wearing a mask I'm going to kill her mother and she said that over the megaphone to the whole plane oh my god I'm like, oh great and I just got off an Alaska Airlines flight but did flight. they let you on without a mask they did not let me on without a mask All though right. I did order a drink and again you can get away with it if you're eating or drinking something <laughs> so I just had rum and coke for the entire flight and got wasted going into Las Vegas imagine that hey, so, why not? so you were able to fly spirit without a mask by drinking by drinking the entire okay. time I mean, <laughs> Who, who's not going to drink on a flight anyway? I mean, yeah, that's hilarious. It's already seven hours, enough, man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's change gears, Josh. You were mentioning uh, you've got a deadline coming up, a date to get off of YouTube. Right. What's happening with that? What is that? Remember, remember the 5th of November. Good date. I'm, Good date. Exactly. I knew everyone would remember it. That's yep. why. Well, so the idea is that I think there's enough time to set a deadline for November 5th, 2020. Yeah. If you are in independent media, get ready by then or on that date to leave YouTube. Walk away. If everyone does it, we're going to lead millions of people to alternative fl- platforms like Float.app, Library, BitChute. Um, obviously, all the alternatives have some work to do, and especially in, uh, you know, uh, uh, expecting a a lot of people to move over to those platforms, mm-hmm. lots of bandwidth issues, of course. But I believe if a bunch of people did it at the same time, we could see a ma- major walkaway. And the issue is that you can still post on YouTube, just post trailers on YouTube to mm. your former sub- subscribers and say if you want to watch a whole video, go over go to float.app or something like ah, that. Ah, nice. So November 5th, I'm trying to get as many um, independent medias on board as I can. A lot of people are fighting to the very end. And, you know, I think we should leave YouTube before YouTube leaves us. And I, they've already kind of left us. And look, if you don't leave mm. by, you know, willingly, they will delete you in the next yep. year or two. Probably in the next year, you will be deleted from YouTube if you're on there and you say anything of value. So leave before they leave you, or else you won't be able to tell your audience where to go. We've been using, uh, or I've been using Library personally mm-hmm. as sort of a. Uh an emergency backup to YouTube. So I haven't left YouTube, but 
all of the content from YouTube that I post to YouTube is automatically posted to library. They've come up with a really easy yeah. solution for this. Uh, and I believe, if I recall correctly, it, I, it'll actually ingest your whole channel's content. So if you yeah. have a channel on YouTube... And I don't remember the URL, but I'm sure if you go to lbry.com, which mm-hmm. is their website, it's a decentralized, blockchain-based video hosting service. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's actually uh, the guy who runs it was sitting over at this table over here the other day. Right. And uh, great stuff. So you pop your YouTube channel into their system, mm-hmm. and they just start ingesting all your YouTube videos. And, and the Free Keen YouTube channel is the one that I run. Mm-hmm. It had over 900 videos over a decade's worth yeah. of content that they had to ingest, and they did. And now every time I upload a video, Video to it, it automatically copies it over to the library cool. system, is, is so it's protected. A, is there a limit for the length of the video? Because I, I know I, I have about I sixteen hundred so. videos. I, I did the backup. I saw about nine hundred and seventy-three um, show up on library. I think that it might have some limit because I've done Maybe. videos over four hours before and stuff like that. Mm, okay, but uh, yeah. you know, I, I honestly, all this stuff is going to be repaired and fixed as they get the demand. The more people mm-hmm. that go on these platforms, the more people invest in those platforms, sure. the more people will be able to be reached by that platform. More popularity there is. I've been on YouTube since it was on the sixth page of Google search results for streaming sites. I've wow. I've watched them since there was only a couple hundred videos on the site. And I know good sites when I see them. And honestly, I've seen libraries awesome. Uh, I do believe in Float long term. BitChute has some work to do, but um, you know they all do. I like Float. I'm on there, um, but I haven't yet consistently uh, been on there just because I've got, you know, we got all these different social media, right? And I like the idea of just posting in one place and then having it go to different places. So I'd really like to be able to automate uh, my posts to float. So I'll talk to Kingsley about how Mm -hmm. that's, how those options are coming. Yeah, that can be done. And also one of the number one things for me is reaching people that disagree with me. And there's been a lot of examples of echo chambers in the alternative sphere over the years. Mm -hmm. And I, I really do believe that it's open for anyone. If you're a makeup artist, if you are doing cat videos, if you're of gamer and then people like us that talk about the message of freedom i think that's important everyone should be able to be reached by this content yep and uh, one of the things i like about library is you don't have to be an investor with money you can just run the software right. and support the network yep. of, uh, of what they're doing over there and, and it's they give free you credits do for doing so that's true so i mean that's true and there's yeah, no is, reason not to that is the really cool thing about library is they are actually paying people you can actually charge to watch videos a very small amount of cryptocurrency sure. and you know, unlike youtube well, I mean, you where, can charge as much as you want true but, true true uh, but on like YouTube, which is just like arbitrarily decides whether they're going to monetize you or not, or yeah. demonetize you and at any random point or take you down. So it's very important. I th- I'm glad to hear you're doing this, uh, Josh, and I hope that uh, we'll continue to talk to you in the future. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you very much. Check him out. World Alternative Media. He's Josh Sigurdsson. Uh, we got more coming up here in moments from ForkFest 2020. Go to ForkFest.party. Free Talk Live. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com this is free talk live and we are at Forkfest 2020 on when you're listening to this it'll be sunday night 
And for so us, the Porcupine Freedom Festival will be over. The Porcupine Freedom Festival is over at that point, but Forkfest, uh, which is the decentralized alternative to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, will be continuing for another week. So you certainly have time to get up here. Go to ForkFest.Party. You can learn more about the event as we continue. We're actually recording this on Friday evening uh, at this point. And we scheduled this recording with a young lady, Laura, who is here visiting from St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. She is studying uh, libertarians, apparently, or, or personal freedom. We'll get into that exactly uh, in just a moment. But I do want you to know about AnyPay. If you're looking to accept cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash, Dash, uh, even Bitcoin SV, AnyPay can help you do that at your local business or even halfway across the world or whatever you're taking internet purchases, they can do that too. Uh, they make it super easy. They've got the AnyPay Cash Register app. You can go to AnyPay inc.com anypayinc.com and that is where you can learn more about anypay or just go straight to the google or apple app store and download anypay cash register you can get it set up within moments and you're accepting cryptocurrency it's super easy so check out anypay cash register ian and aria here it's a beautiful day and coming into the evening now sunny cool uh here at rogers campground and we are here with Laura. Laura, welcome to Free Talk Live. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to to have you here. Uh, I have I got to say, I admit, I noticed you were wearing a mask, and I thought, hmm, who's that over there? And turns out you have a big sign on your back, or you did on your backpack mm -hmm. that said, "Ask me about my research." So I'm going to ask you now. Now that we're on the air, tell me about your research. Absolutely. Um, so I'm doing a project um, with. Uh, Dr. Sorens at uh, St. Anselm College. That's Jason Sorens. He's the founder of the Free State Project. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we came up with this project um, together, me and him and another professor, um, basically looking into what structure of government um, best protects individual freedoms. And the main like axis, I guess, that we're looking at is decentralized versus centralized. Mm -hmm. um, so. I think there's an understanding and plenty of arguments that a decentralized government is more conducive to protecting people's freedoms. Um, but I was just interested to explore why that is and um, whether the benefits of that are inherent to decentralization or if there's any role that the central government has in protecting our freedoms. Interesting question. Okay, so your goal here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival is to interview as many people as possible on a series of questions regarding that? Yes, that's correct. Okay, great. Cool concept. Yeah, and you've got your friend Lauren in the background helping you out, I taking do. notes. Thanks, Lauren, uh, for that. So would you like to, I don't know, ask us the questions and we'll just kind of talk about them on the air? I would, would love that, that, yes. Okay, cool. And what year are you in in school? So I'm a junior. Uh -huh. I'll be a senior next year. Okay, great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Go right ahead. Okay. So the first thing I'm asking people is if you identify as a libertarian or something else. Uh, technically, at the moment, I identify as a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's how you identify versus how your voter registration is. Isn't there a difference between that? I don't know, man. <laughs> I want to say there's a difference between that. Um, I registered as a Republican because... And I've been a Democrat as well. I've also been a registered libertarian because the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire had ballot access in 2016. Mm -hmm. At that time, I was a registered libertarian. Prior to that, I'd been a registered Democrat. And then they lost ballot access in, at the end of, I think, 2017 
there's these rules in New Hampshire about third parties. They make it very hard, as you may already know, uh, to keep ballot access at the same level as the Republicans and the Democrats. So because the Republicans in Keene, where we live, are particularly weak, they barely even exist, we decided, okay, well, if we're going to join one or the other, it's easier to get involved on the Republican side because they basically literally don't exist. They're all really old and they they don't run for office anymore or anything like that. So I figured, all right, I'd rather run as a as one of the two major parties. And if I'm going to run for office, I only have to pay two dollars instead of trying to go out and get a bunch of petition signatures, which is a huge hassle, especially with COVID uh, right now. So so I wouldn't say I identify in any way. No, I mean as to a give Republican. a real answer, I I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I say that mostly for shock value. I mean, really, I'm a voluntarist, but. Um, Anarcho-capitalist is generally the go-to term that I use. I prefer voluntarist or voluntarist, um, but I will say that I will accept the label libertarian. Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody asks me, are you a libertarian, I'm generally going to say yes, but I may qualify uh, the statement by talking about voluntarism because libertarians... Well, they're they're pretty. It's a different. loaded letter. I mean, yeah. it's a loaded term. Yeah, they're pretty different in a lot of ways, as you'll probably find out talking mm-hmm. to some of them here today, at uh, Forkfest and, and Porkfest. So, did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And um, a lot of people did qualify their answers today, mm-hmm. so it's just interesting to hear. <laughs> yeah. You know, like libertarianism, libertarianism can be so broad. Like people have their own identifications. Mm-hmm. All right. Question two. All right. Um, so, in your opinion, what government structure do you think is more conducive to individual freedoms, a centralized government or a decentralized government, um, understanding that it doesn't have to be one or another? It could be just a higher degree of one or the other. Could it be zero? That's an answer as well. Okay. That's, that's the answer i got to go with. I mean, no, no degree of government is going to achieve any of these protections of individual liberty. I mean, they, they exist literally counter to the protection of individual liberty. Well, yeah, and uh, and I think to clarify on zero, if if somebody wants to have their own government system that they you know, like, if they really need somebody to tell them what to do, mm-hmm. they could hire somebody. I bet there's someone out there, like you know, a dominatrix <laughs> or something like that, who would just love to get paid to tell somebody what to do. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not interested in having strangers try to tell me how to live my life. Uh, so I guess if you're going to have a monopoly on violence, which is what the state is at its core, then having a more decentralized one is better than having a more centralized one in that, for instance, like in Keene, if if it weren't the federal government, if, if we could snap our fingers and tomorrow the federal government disappeared, well, there would still be people calling themselves government. There's mm-hmm. the state of New Hampshire people, and then there's the city of Keene people, and here we're the city of, or town of Lancaster or whatever. Yeah. So at least in Keene, I know where the city councilors live. Mm-hmm. I know where you know, or I can find these people, unlike the federal government, which is a thousand miles away. Uh, they don't know me. I don't know them. And I can't, you know, connect with them in any sort of meaningful way. So I would say, if I have to answer within the paradigm of the question, sure. decentralized um, is better. Sure, fantastic. I, I would largely agree. I'm not sure that you know being able to actually go to your city council person's house and actually you know protest there as opposed to at the Capitol building or whatever. No is really justice, that much no more sleep. Effective. I mean, uh, but was it effective? Did it achieve anything? I don't know. It could achieve. It can achieve. If you give these people a hard time, um, whether it's at their homes or in other in some other way, peaceful via peaceful means, it will achieve at some point. They're just going to quit. They're going to. 
you know, re-election time is going to come up. They'll be like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. They don't pay me enough for this. And certainly in New Hampshire, they don't pay you enough for it. It's like $100 a year to be a state senator or, you know, state representative. So at some point, if people are just ripping you to shreds, it's going to be stressful. And those people are going to just, most of them, they're going to walk. What about other aspects of decentralization? I mean, we, we touched on local versus federal and all of that, but mm-hmm. what about like uh, direct democracy via blockchain technology or something like that versus a centralized authority? Yeah, I mean, to uh, me, they're they're equivalent. I mean, the the mob is going to hang you just as much as the tyrant. Yeah, that's true. All right, next. All right, next question. Um, do you think that the government is ever justified in collecting taxes from citizens, and if so, under what circumstance? If they're voluntary, they can collect whatever they want. But then they're not taxes, right? So sort of the yeah, definition of taxes sure. is that it's not voluntary. And you know, when you when you say government, what you really mean is just a group of strangers. Um, you know, they say they've had their elections and such, and that that somehow justifies what they do to people, and it doesn't. And whether we're talking about uh, the police murdering people, which is the that's the end, ultimately, of what every government rule or law or system imposes. I mean, if they'll you, kill you for sell, selling cigarettes. That's man. right. And they did that to Eric Garner in or New York City. Or having a light out. Uh-huh. And so ultimately what they're killing you for is not obeying. Yeah. Okay? The, you, if, they were to, if they were to have come up to the dude with the cigarettes and said, hey, hand those over, you're under arrest, and he went ahead and did everything they said, then he probably would have survived it. But uh, anytime you say no to the state, then you are risking them just murdering you right there in the streets. We've got more coming up with Laura from St. Anselm College in moments. This is Free Talk Live at Fort Fest 2020. Free Talk Live at Fork Fest 2020 on, for us, Friday. For you listening, it's Sunday. We got interesting people to talk to, and apparently we're kind of being interviewed on our own show here, which is a fun <laughs> little reversal. I, I like doing experimental stuff uh, like that here on the radio. Ian and Aria in our remote studio at the top of the hill in the uh, beautiful Rogers campground. It's actually a little warm here at the end of the day, a little warmer than it was. It is. I mean, there's earlier. no breeze now, so. No. Uh, Crypto Vegas, Anarcho Vegas coming up. Hey, if you can't make it out here in the next week to hang out with uh, freedom minded folks, because again, Forkfest goes through July 5th. Uh, you definitely want to get out to Vegas for Crypto Vegas and Anarcho Vegas 2020. There are going to be a ton of uh, speakers at these events. They're dual events, and so one happens on one day, the other happens on another day. So it's July 18th and 19th, $20.20 for a daily ticket. So if you want to go to both, you got to buy two tickets. Uh, $20.20, that is super affordable for any convention. That's the cheapest ticket for a convention I think I've ever heard about. So go to anarchovegas.com. From what I understand, it's probably a good time to go to Vegas as far as like the prices are concerned because they are desperate. They need people to show up into this town. Uh, CryptoVegasConference.com or anarchovegas.com. And you can use code FTL to save 10% on your VIP tickets. Free Talk Live is expected to be there as long as we don't get arrested leaving the airport uh, for Which not wearing may masks. may not be likely. Yeah, we'll see. Only one way to find out. If we do get arrested, we will video it, so there'll be that. Yes, that's true. Um, when we get out is a whole other question. Uh, <laughs> but uh, So anyway, Ian and Aria here. We got Laura with us. She is from uh, the St. Anselm College, and you've been asking us questions about just generally sort of being a libertarian, opinions on uh, decentralization versus centralization and personal freedom. So where do we leave off? 
Uh, sure. So um, I just asked about taxes, and this next um, question is related to that. So hopefully you'll see the connection. Um, it's a hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. You are certain that your friend will die, so maybe you can imagine the situation for each other. Okay. Um, if they cannot get to the hospital and you have no other transportation available to you other than a neighbor's car mm-hmm. who is a stranger, so you don't have an ambulance that could come pick them up, you don't have your own car, but somehow you have the access to the keys of this uh, stranger's car. Is it permissible to steal their car in order to save your friend's life? Ooh, that's an interesting moral question. I, I would say uh, yes. I would, it, it's a soft yes. I mean, that, that's I mean, and you know, it's pointless to endlessly debate a question like that. And I mean, you'll you'll find libertarians all around the campground who would love to do nothing more than that for the rest of the entire mm-hmm. weekend. But in that situation, your friend is dying. I'm taking my friend to the hospital. End of story. Yeah, and this kind of reminds me of a question we've discussed in the past uh, about, like, a hurricane situation. You know, there's this disaster going on. You're hungry. You're trying to get out of this place. Everything's abandoned. You can't go into the store and purchase something, but there's something in there that, you know, like a loaf of bread or whatever that you could take to sustain yourself or whatever. Do you do it? And my answer back then was, regrettably, yes, but... Yeah. And the yes, but in this circumstance is, I would want to make it right after the fact. Sure. So, uh, you know, there would be a cost to that person of whatever inconvenience, you know, they suffered from not having the car, the surprise that they felt, or the anger, or whatever uh, emotions came up. At, you know, if they like walked outside of their house and saw you peeling away, you know, from their uh, their front driveway, that's probably a little frustrating. So, you know, the first thing I would want to do after doing something like that would be to come back to that person and say, "What can I give you to, you know, to make this right? I didn't have time to come by and ask you. It was a life or death situation. Sure. Odds are the guy's gonna be like, no worries, right? Because they care about other people too um but if not you know if he's super poor and he couldn't afford the gas or whatever he might be like 50 bucks we're, we're good you know so to let that person put the price out there on what that was worth to him whatever sure. that wrong was because libertarians believe in restitution meaning well, that, some of them true the, the libertarian <laughs> sitting at this table i'm going to presume you agree with restitution I mean, restitution right? is impossible you can never make up for lost time no, that's true, but you can make up for some amount of frustration with money. Sure, you, right? you can reach an agreement with a yeah. alleged victim. I like the question, though, and I see yeah, the philosophical good. roots of it. Mm-hmm. Um, being a Nietzschean, I consider morality to be a construct of the middle class. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. luxury for people whose lives are comfortable, mm-hmm. and that's why I would disregard the morality of the situation entirely if it came down to that. Mm-hmm. I don't have the luxury of sitting around debating endlessly whether or not it's moral for me to let my friend die or to take this car. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes you just have to make a choice. Yeah, it was a great question. I agree. Yeah. Um, Okay, so is it okay to move on? Yeah, sure. All right. So the next two questions are about rights. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically I'm asking people what negative rights, if any, do you think that all people are born with? And what positive rights, if any, do you think all people are born with? Can you uh, define those two terms? We've talked about this before, but I'd rather have you define them absolutely because they're confusing yeah yeah it's um stumped a couple people and it is difficult um the example i've been giving out is that you have a positive and negative right to life so in the negative sense you don't have the right to kill me i have um a right to live without anybody interfering with that right but i'm not owed anything 
versus my positive right to life means that I um, am entitled to some service that would keep me alive or some good. So maybe food or health care or clean water. Um, it establishes an obligation for somebody else to So me. negative rights are like, leave me alone. Positive mm-hmm. rights are somebody's got to provide a thing for me. I have a right to X. Exactly. Okay. All right. So well, I think that's pretty easy then. With that in mind, can you re-ask the question? Sure. Okay. So um, basically what uh, negative rights are all people born with, if any, and what positive rights are all people born with, if any? Good question. I would say no positive rights. I mean, those are entirely social constructs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of nihilistic in the sense that a, an organism that can't sustain itself sort of doesn't have the right to continue its existence. I'm going to say that all rights, I certainly agree that positive rights don't exist at all, um, so you're not born with them, and I think that uh, you are also not born with any negative rights, because rights are a human concept, and they're a good one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Negative rights are a great human concept, just like uh, property is an excellent human concept, and these are things that we've come to agree upon generally, right? There are some people who don't believe in property, there's some people who don't believe in rights, but for the most part, because we agree on these things, these basic precepts of how to interact with other people, we have a better life. We have less murder, you know. We have less yeah. destruction. Uh, we have better cooperation and better competition uh, as a result of that, because we've agreed on the idea of negative rights at some level between most people. So, no rights exist, but I support negative rights. Mm-hmm. All right, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next question is, um, to what extent is the federal government justified, if ever, in protecting civil rights from potential harm done by state governments? So mm. an example I've been giving out is um, if there are variations from state to state in terms of marijuana usage and, you know, your right to grow marijuana, um, do we think that if 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 we feel like that should just be legalized, right, should the central government, the federal government, step in to say it's legalized state to state? Or should we leave it up to the states to decide, even if that comes with the risk of the states infringing on somebody's right to grow marijuana? Within the context of the question, I think I would have to answer that it would be best for the states to decide that. I I would prefer no government decide (laughs) that, but Mm -hmm. within the context of the question... I would say states govern. Yeah, so here we are on the decentralized uh, topic again. And yes, uh, state governments, again, they shouldn't exist at all. But if you're going to have uh, governments, having choices is always a better option. So you know that there's going to be some places where cannabis is outlawed. You know there's going to be some places where your right to choose an abortion for yourself is outlawed. And there are going to be places where those things are not outlawed. And that's a good thing because it gives people in, in a place where they have where people have freedom to choose which place to go to right like mm-hmm. as, as long as they're not locked down and in prison like in North Korea or something uh, they should be able to make a choice about well I'd rather live in a place with no abortions and no this and that or I'd rather live in a place with total freedom or as close to total freedom as we can have uh, so yeah more choices better federal government even if they make what seems like the right choice in the moment, the aggregation of power to that entity isn't worth it. It would be better to have 50 different options for people to choose. And then people could be in a place that's more appropriate for them, that Mm -hmm. they get along with more people and they agree with more people. Because it's pretty clear that people don't get along and they're not going to get along. And so why continue the experiment? Why Mm -hmm. keep trying to have Trump supporters 
getting along with people on the left and vice versa. And, of course, libertarians are out there somewhere else. Uh, we don't want to deal with any of these people. So, uh, yeah, that's why that's why there's this migration, right, with all these folks, many of whom are here visiting and maybe going to move up here uh, because we see value in concentrating people who believe in freedom all in the same place. So maybe we can change the system in a way that can make it even more free. New Hampshire is already pretty free, but we'd like to do better. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so the next question is really similar to that, but it's about guns. So um, there are obviously different restrictions from state to state in terms of gun ownership. Um, do you feel that you should be able to move to a state with fewer restrictions? Should you have that freedom? Absolutely. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it here. I'll have you re-ask it in just a moment uh, as we continue. Our two is next. Uh, more with Laura, the student from St. Anselm College. We're Free Talk Live at Fort Fest 2020. If you're attacked by a bear, a dog will throw himself into the mouth of a bear to save you. Dogs are dogs. They pour out their love onto you. Before long, you can't live without them. I have a chocolate cocker spaniel named Lady and a blackmouth cur. He's about 120 pounds, and his name is Arlo. My little cocker, her coat's as soft as a stuffed animal. They're both real soft coats, and my dogs don't have any health problems because they're eating what they need to eat. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is like pouring a multivitamin right onto their food. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa, the digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. We'll be scooping our Dynavite onto the food, then squirting the liquor chops and the fish oil. They start salivating. Dynavite is nutrition. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. It's a lot of responsibility owning a dog. I get my Dynavite at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Free Talk Live. We're back with hour number two of Free Talk Live kicking off on our Sunday episode of the show here with uh, continuing an interview of us by a college student, Laura. She's here actually doing a summer project that uh, she has at St. Anselm College. So uh, Ian and Aria in our remote studio at the top of the hill at Rogers Campground. Such a beautiful location. It's great to be here. Nice excuse that you have to come out and uh, join us in this amazing place. Uh, And so you're asking a series of questions about liberty and personal responsibility and decentralization sort of overall. And you've interviewed uh, more than a dozen other people here at the park. Uh, you're, you're interviewing us now, so we're going to pick up where we left off mm-hmm. at uh, question number eight, which was about guns. Can you just re-ask the question yes. for listeners just tuning in? Sure. So the last question was about like whether or not we should have the right to move to a state with fewer gun restrictions um, if we see that as preferable, which pretty much everybody has said that, yeah, we should have that right. So the meat of this question is in the second half where I ask, do you think that that's the most ideal solution or should the federal government make gun ownership equally restricted or unrestricted wherever we find that equilibrium um, in all 50 states? Well, according to the Constitution, which is a useless scrap of paper that I don't don't (laughs) care about, um, there's no mention of what guns people can own, what level of arms people can own versus what level of arms the government owns. I mean, back when this thing was written, the the weapon a person used to hunt and sustain themselves throughout the winter was going to be the same weapon they used to go to war. The only Mm -hmm. difference now is that war weapons are economically beyond the reach of the average person. They're 
infinitely more devastating. So the government was like, oh, no, no, no. You can't have these good weapons. You can have these, these pistols and these shotguns and these other things, but these ones that could actually be useful in defending yourself against us? No, you, you can't have those. So I would say uh, constitutionally, the federal government should support totally unrestricted weapons. Well, but this is the same question as the last question, Aria, which, uh, you know, if we believe in decentralization, of course, the federal government shouldn't sure. exist. No state at all should exist because that's ultimately... Well, I prefaced it with saying the Constitution is useless, but under the current right. system... Well, okay, but, you know, even with the Constitution saying what it says... Shouldn't states be able to make decisions outside of that? Because shouldn't ultimately the states sure. be able to leave the federal government, right? Sure, but I didn't create this stupid system. Oh, sure. <laughs> so my answer to that question would be that uh, I think that, no, the federal government shouldn't impose its views because I don't think they should exist at all. Because ultimately I, I do believe in secession. So if California wants to have a bunch of crazy gun laws, we just talked to Carlos um, Morales, thank you, uh, Carlos Morales. Yesterday no about this, so. <laughs> uh, the uh, and, and he was talking about how he has to in California where he lives, he can have a shotgun in his house, but he has to have the ammunition for the shotgun in a separate, closed, locked case as the shotgun itself. You have to then open both cases, if you can, in a seriously like hair raising, crazy, dangerous situation because. You know, things get pretty crazy. You're trying to remember your code then, right? Like, okay, right. good luck. Uh, so you got to open the gun cases, put the you know the ammo in the gun, rack the gun, and then you can defend yourself. So if California wants to do stuff like that, and the federal government comes in and says, well, you must do X, Y, Z. Well, I think California should be able to say, well, we're going our own way. Now we're the nation of California. And so I think that secession is a good solution for decentralization. It's a long answer, but no, that's fantastic. And other people have, have said similar things. Um, so the next question is about capitalism. Mm -hmm. um, in your view, is a free market system most ideal, meaning most conducive to your individual freedoms? Um, you can expand on that if you like. But if so, how can capitalism account for those who are unable to participate in it, but still might need goods and services such as infants or severely disabled people, etc.? Now, when you say capitalism, you mean uh, free market exchanges, right? I mean, because I there's do. a lot of dispute of that. And I would agree yeah. with you. But um, everyone can participate in the marketplace, even people who are very, very, very poor, destitute, have nothing, uh, because the poor is a resource. And you say, okay, but they're, the rich are going to exploit this resource, but it's it's by employing them. It's by eliminating the unemployed. It's by liquidating the poor. It's by lifting them up out of poverty. So everyone can participate in the system. I don't like the term capitalism at all. I don't like the term socialism at all. I don't like the impressions that people have about those ideas, the differences that people have in their minds about what those things mean. To me, a free market doesn't impose an economic system. The free market is just the negative rights that we were talking about before, where if you have a thing, you can sell that thing. If you make a thing, then you can, you know, share it or sell it. And so sharing comes to mind when, you know, we're talking about helping people. Uh, in a free market, you can have mutual aid organizations. You can have charitable work that encourages people to get involved on a volunteer or, 
you know, cash basis and help support a thing that they think is worth doing. You know, because despite all the jobs that could be created in a free marketplace, there's still probably going to be some really sick people sure. that uh, ain't feeling like working. But, I mean, so, we've seen this in the macroscopic sense uh, between China and the United States. China used to be abysmally poor, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, the United States is exploiting them. By paying them to make stuff, and now ec- paying and now- them more than what yeah. they would make eking out an existence on some crappy farm. Yeah, and right? now China is, you know, set to surpass the United States in economic strength. Yeah, so things change when there's relative freedom, and in places like the U.S. and China, there really isn't even relative freedom. There's uh, insane levels of restrictions, so it could be so much better yeah. that we can't even imagine how much better it would be if people were just free to make choices uh, for themselves. And one of those choices includes the choice to help others. Awesome. Sounds great. Um, my last couple questions. Do you think that governments ought to compete with one another for residents? And if so, do you think that competition um, benefits the residents themselves? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if they're competing for residents, it's because they're trying to offer me something that I want, which in my case would be more freedom. Mm -hmm. So the state that offers the most freedom would get my residency, and that would certainly benefit me. And then you would have states, as you mentioned, like California, that would offer people free health care and free education and all of this other stuff to try to get them to become residents. and. Probably in the long run, I would say that wouldn't really benefit them, but... (laughs) What will end up happening to them is they'll drive the most productive people out of the state, and then it'll be really tough to uh, continue those programs without just completely ravaging whatever economic strength they have left. Uh, But yeah, more competition is a good thing, even between states. Uh, Just to reiterate, I don't think the idea of the state should exist anymore. I think that hopefully we can just throw it in the dustbin of history, like the idea of chattel slavery, where people will look back and be like... Can you believe they had states back in the day? Wow, how just horrendous. Uh, so, But until we get to that point, which may not be in our lifetime, uh, it would be nice to have more robust competition. And the freedom to be able to move is what I was touching on earlier. That's one benefit of the United States is the relative freedom to travel between the member states. But there's really no other benefit to the United States. We should end it as soon as possible. Yeah. All right. Um, So we've talked a lot about some of the benefits of decentralization, Um, and my next question asks if those benefits could be achieved um, by a centralized government acting in place of states, uh, for example, if like we were to remove the state governments and just offer, like have the uh, central government sort of oversee that competition that we find beneficial. I mean, in, in theory, it would certainly be possible. It, it's certainly possible to have only angels running for office and only <laughs> angels winning the office. I mean, in theory, sure. But in reality, in reality. it works out so that people who want power, you know, go to power. Yeah, and the more power there is to take, the worse the characters are that are going to show up to, to take it, right? Yeah. Like, they want to be warlords. They want to hurt people. They want to shovel money into their you know, business buddies' pockets. And that's what we see at the federal government. There's no reason to believe that centralizing even more power there is going to make that any better. It's going to make it way worse. Right. So yeah, the, the second part of that I've been asking is, are the benefits of decentralization inherent to decentralization? And that sort of touches on what you said, where it, there are other factors at play, like, for example, the goodwill of the person in office or whether they have their own agenda, um, for sure. Well, with, with decentralization, uh, there would be more people in play. So the odds are better that at least one of them would not be a total scumbag. 
I don't know whether or not the odds would ever approach good. We do have less scummy people in New Hampshire because they only get paid $100 a year, but there's still some power seekers there for sure. Uh, more coming up here with Laura from St. Anselm College. We're talking about decentralization here and freedom on Free Talk Live from ForkFest 2020. Talk live at ForkFest 2020. You can still join us here. Get a whole another week to go. Uh, go to ForkFest.party to learn more about the event. And also, the Next Generation Wallet is coming from Divi in just a few taps. You'll be able to spend, earn, store, and exchange digital money in seconds. Divi says you'll be able to send money around the globe in only a swipe and instantly exchange between Divi, Bitcoin, and fiat currencies like the dollar in the mobile app and withdraw directly to your bank account. There's no need to wait, though, as Divi already offers the first one-tap solution for earning passive income with their multi-tiered masternodes, allowing anyone to earn by supporting the Divi network. When the new Divi wallet launches because of their relationship with Western Union, Divi will be in 200 countries, including the United States. Learn more at DiviProject.org, D-I-V-I Project.org. We continue here, Ian and Aria, in our remote studio at Rogers Campground during ForkFest and the very end of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. We're with Laura. She's been asking us a bunch of questions that she's doing a, uh, what, do you, what do you call this exactly, a study or a? Yeah, it's a research project. Research um, project. Yeah, it's, it's with a grant through the um, New Hampshire uh, Institute of Pol- Politics. At does it get published somewhere or does it like just get turned into somebody? Um, so, yeah, it's just going to get turned into mm. someone. I mean, I suppose I could try and have it published, mm. but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So are you getting graded on it or is it just for no, your enrichment? Basically, just for my own enrichment. Okay. Um, hopefully I'll be able to present on it um, mm. when we go back to school in the fall. OK, so that's kind of like publishing if you're yeah. presenting on it to an, an audience or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So you've res- read a series of questions. We've answered a bunch and you were on like maybe one or however many more. One more. Okay. Yeah. So my wrap up question with everyone has been asking them to describe their ideal government. Ooh, okay. You want to go first? A lack of one. Right. <laughs> I mean, That's been a popular answer. It's, yeah. it, it comes down to the definition of a state versus a government. I mean, a government that doesn't use force, violence, and coercion that isn't a state. I mean, I, I, I'm fine with that. We have things like IEEE and stuff like that that are essentially governments over technology, and I, I'm fine with These those. These are voluntary and, associations, yeah, IEEE. You'll see it on like They govern technology, products. but they, they they don't use force, violence, and coercion to make people comply. What about like underwriters' laboratories, where you know if you ever looked at like the bottom of a toaster, there's that UL logo. That's a voluntary certification that companies yeah. go after. And interestingly, it's not just like it's not just because they want to. In some cases, although there's a good reason for that, because UL is a respected logo. Um, I mean, almost everybody's seen it, right? They they know what the logo is, even if they don't know what it is, right? Um, but they, in some cases, like if you're a toaster maker and you want to get your toaster into Walmart, well, Walmart's buyers going to or Target or whatever, their buyers going to be like, this is UL certified, right? What's the number? Oh, it's not. Sure. Sorry, we can't deal with you because they don't want to have a toaster on their shelf that hasn't gone through this certification. They don't want you know wires being crossed and catching fire on the inside. So this is another example of a voluntary arrangement or a voluntary government, if you want to use that word, for people to get into that can help. Well, it certainly governs case. the industry. Yeah. I mean, especially with IEEE. So I don't mind calling them governments. What's it, it stand for? International? I, I don't recall, man. Yeah. College was a long time ago. Okay. But, I mean, look at what they I'll managed to achieve just with voluntary association. You can take any 
any device, like a laptop, a cell phone, a tablet, and connect it to any brand of Wi-Fi router and access any ISP any ISP's internet connection. No, no state could ever achieve something of that God, scale. No. This is the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Okay, which I did not know. Uh, USB was also created by, I believe, some sort of a consortium, an industry governance group of standards people yeah. that uh, that got together to agree. Okay, rather than everybody having all these different weirdo connectors, let's come up with something that's consistent. So if you got a Toshiba laptop versus a Samsung laptop, you can have the same connector on the side of it. And so. it only be- benefits us. It only benefits me if I forget my charger at home, but it's okay because you have a totally different phone, but it's mm-hmm. also USB-C charger. So yeah. Unless you're Apple, and that's a whole other story. Uh, Apple sucks, though. So. <laughs> so, But yeah, these are examples of voluntary governments. So to answer the question, no government of coercion, no government of uh, monopoly on violence, where people who don't want to consent are thrown in a prison cell or have the life choked out of them uh, by some police officer or other gang of armed people. Fantastic. Those are yeah. all my questions. All right. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, let's see. Can we come up with some questions for you? Uh, you know, Would you call yourself a libertarian? I personally, I don't identify as a libertarian, mm-hmm. but it's been really interesting to learn about it because it's not something that I knew about before this project. So some of the, the arguments are appealing to me and some I've had more questions about. So you didn't choose the topic of this particular grant? Um, or? I worked together with Dr. Sorens and another professor to come up with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I didn't really know much about the Free State Project going into this. Mm-hmm. I had some other more general ideas. I'm a philosophy major, so I was looking at doing something that was more out there and theoretical. And um, Professor Latona, who um, is one of my philosophy professors, suggested that I work with Dr. Sorens because hmm. he you know, knew so much about libertarianism and obviously has started this project. So, so having learned what you've learned, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you think that – what do we got it wrong about? Are we just pot-smoking Republicans? <laughs> I don't think that. No, no. I think there are some really good things um, about, well, again, like my research mostly focuses on decentralization and centralization. So one thing I've done is just trying to find examples of where decentralization has helped people um, and where centralization has helped people um, in terms of their freedom. And I do think that there is um, some benefits to competition. Uh, which have been really compelling. But then I also have worries about uh, like a race to the bottom or um, what they call like beggar your neighbor, where the costs of, you know, say pollution is shared by a larger community um, than just, you know, your own. Um, So I'm just I'm really trying to dig into some of those objections to see where I, I stand. Well, wouldn't a lot of pollution fall under the umbrella of property damage? I suppose. So yeah. they would be liable for that in a free market system. I mean, they're damaging mm-hmm. your property. Yes, and and whatever the courts would look like or arbitration systems, we don't know. It's and a lot of this is theoretical, you know, because we're all trying to at least liberty-minded folks are trying to envision a completely different world where humans have rejected the idea of coercion against their neighbor, and that's ultimately what's at the core of the reason why the state exists you know from sort of a metaphysical perspective we're manifesting almost collectively humans are manifesting the state into existence in my view because 
humans don't believe in respecting each other and they don't believe at some level like a lot of us do but some uh, large amount of people think it's okay to tell their neighbor what to do they think it's okay if they get together in a group of uh, you know 51 percent to say this is the way it's going to be or else and as long as people can't let go of their desire to control somebody else then we'll never be free as as a people and i think that's one of the most important aspects for people to, to come to understand that whenever you want the government to do something whether it's to do x y or z about pollution by the way the state's one of the worst polluters out there and they allow on state-owned land private corporations to do things like strip mining and just absolutely devastate uh th that you know those uh, those land masses so, uh, yeah, having the state do something for you means being willing to use violence against your neighbor. And to me, if you've got a good idea, then you should be able to persuade your neighbors to help you on a voluntary basis. So, that's how I feel about that. Makes sense to me. <laughs> right. So we've had uh, Laura with us here. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us here today on Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. Uh, more coming up here in moments from Rogers Campground, beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Forkfest 2020, we continue. The next generation wallet is coming from Divi. In just a few taps, you'll be able to send, earn, spend, and exchange digital money in seconds. Send money around the globe with only a swipe. Instantly exchange between Divi, Bitcoin, and Fiat right in the mobile app and withdraw directly to your bank account. Divi already offers the first one-tap solution for earning passive income with crypto. Multi-tiered masternodes allow everyone to partake in the network. Visit DiviProject.org. DiviProject.org. talk live we're doing our sunday episode of the show even though it's still friday because we haven't run out of interesting people to talk to uh here at this event and gentleman was sitting here actually as we arrived this evening the young ladies from the college were here waiting for us we said we'll be back here at five o'clock ended up we were five minutes late so thankfully you were here we're uh zj and uh, they were they, you were answering their questions prior to our arrival. Yes, I and, was. Uh, everything actually wrapped up just on time. Uh, we sat in, get everything set up, and you were just finishing up with them. So they joined us, and you sat and listened. Uh, That's and, right. And during one of the breaks, you said, hey, you know, I'm actually an author. I got a book. Uh, so, you know what, let's talk to you. And just before we went on the air, sure. we were just talking about kind of your, uh, and it's ZJ Hampel is your name, by the way, H-A-M-P-L. That is correct. Um, that we were talking about your story. You're originally from Vermont, and how you ended up here. You told us that this was your first Porcupine Freedom Festival. Yes, indeed. And I have to say, I'm very honored to be here. I've been to a multitude of libertarian conventions before with the Young Americans for Liberty. Oh, okay. And then, of course, when I heard about Pork Fest through a friend and colleague of mine, uh, he's a paramedic and made a reference to me uh, uh, for here, I absolutely could not pass up on. So it's nice to come back and brush off the cobweb, so to speak, and uh, be here at this event. I'm very you, honored to be here. You do look medic-y. Uh, you do have the uh, stethoscope surrounding your neck at the moment. You're wearing a T-shirt that says volunteer with a Lego block, and it says, I work well with others. But don't tread on me. Is that what that says there? <laughs> That's exactly what it yeah. says. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. I'm an emergency medical technician. Mm -hmm. Just got certified last year. And I initially, thank you very much. Um, talk about the most ironic of time periods. I mean, my goodness, I was desperate for employment as an EMT in the state of Vermont. Couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. 
uh, came over here to New Hampshire, and then just literally four days after I moved to Concord, New Hampshire, to begin my EMS work, mm-hmm. the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic hit, mm. and so it was. It's been a. What did that do to your work? Oh, it has as an EMT. I, I think the bigger question is what hasn't it done uh, to really? our work as an EMT? It has exposed the living daylights out of, in terms of how unprepared our free market healthcare uh, and government provided. No, absolutely not, Uh, and it never was, uh, thanks to the ACA. Um, And insane levels of regulations, the FDA, and all kinds of state uh, government meddling in the industry. It's one of the most heavily controlled of all the industries. Oh, yeah, and and, and, uh, when you look at Obamacare from 2008 and how that was an absolute disaster, it rained havoc, uh, or wreaked havoc, rather, Mm -hmm. across our states and things like that, um, it threw us into a death spiral, and that's, this COVID-19 pandemic has more or less exposed the living deaths out of just how incompetent government-provided health care authentically is, which is why I promote free market health care, but yeah. don't get anywhere. Well, you've got to know. And you work in the business, so correct. you've got to see it personally. And I mean, it, if the VA hasn't taught people this, I no, don't know that anything hasn't. else can. I mean, no, it, it, may teach, it may teach some of the veterans, but it doesn't teach the average person because they don't know what goes on. But that's surely right. they have a family member who's a vet who tells them about how horrifically sure, inefficient it is. Sure, but that's is. just one story. Okay, you know, it's well, just a case study. I I hate to I hate to burst your bubble, but it, there are so many flaws that are associated with almost anything healthcare related these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, those systems treat every patient that they have like just another number in the system. Yep. Uh, I work with them on a multitude of occasions, and we've seen that geriatric patients. Um, what I've been seeing are horrendously mistreated in nursing mm. homes, in emergency rooms. They often get seen last, uh, almost second to none, because they are much, much older. They're not on the so-called higher priorities or right. the higher priority list of, of physicians. Now, people wouldn't want me saying this, mm-hmm. but being here um, on, on free talk, this is just getting this off my chest. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I cannot say this in my profession uh, to save my life, but the reality is our rescue squads were so unprepared for this COVID-19 that when I initially moved from Vermont to New Hampshire, after I couldn't get a job as an EMT, a paying job mm-hmm. in the state of Vermont, this was before the COVID-19, then we get right. here to New Hampshire. Now they're all of a sudden they're calling me back, begging me for them to go uh, mm-hmm. back to Vermont and work for them. I said to them, I'm sorry, it's too late. I've already moved to New Hampshire. I, I cannot go back to the state yeah. of Vermont where I, where, where I have employment. And um, that was just one tiny fragment about how incompetent and this is just the state of vermont i'm talking about mm-hmm. you look at new york city new york state governor cuomo and the oh, damage God. that he's done it's been an absolute nightmare so yeah no doubt all right so, so you've written a book yeah yes yes more I than have. one or just one well as a matter of fact um i have four other books in the works but i do wow. have one that is currently published and okay. this is a 75 percent true story hmm. the Primary differences are the names, the places of certain people, and and, and things like that of, okay. of situations that uh, that we were in. Um, but I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but unlike your last guest, where she appeared to be relatively enthusiastic about the college that she attended, yeah. I had a polar opposite experience. 
um, an absolutely mm. detrimental experience with my final semester of college in 2017 that I had no choice but to write some 15, 20-page diary. Mm. And I thought to myself, this story is so unbelievably outrageous that I could, in fact, write a, a book. book out of this. Okay. And that's exactly what I did. Um, it, it's it's a short story. It's I mean, in, in total, it amounted to 136 Microsoft Word pages, okay. and then we submitted that to Dorrance Publishing. That's my publisher down in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, so this isn't self-published? You've got no, a publisher? That's quite wow. correct. Um, it's a wonderful publishing company to work with. I would recommend, oh, I cannot rave enough about Dorrance Publishing. They Dorrance, have been okay. unconditionally good to me, um, very supportive. Uh, cool, and they said you said off the air. I think you got into like some major bookstores, right? Sure did. I, um, I, we did in fact do some campaigning, uh, some book advertisement with Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Ingram, Walmart, Target, uh, possibly uh, Kmart, as I understand it. Um, Ingram, which is where um, most uh, stores will purchase uh, some n- number of copies. Um, so give us the pitch on the book. Yeah, indeed, it's it's a very awkward awkward story. And again, as I said, it's it's a seventy five percent real story about this young lady who is a nymphomaniac, which effectively right. means interesting that interesting already. Yes, indeed. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very erotic and very explicit. Um, she is um, quite a terrible human being, a, mm. a, a, a rather disgraceful kind of human being, um, who loves nothing more than to manipulate uh, men, her male counterparts, in every way, shape, and form, until it backfires after she meets a mortician and catches a horrendous case of STDs and has oh, a no. and has a revelation i guess you could say towards the end so it ends on a very positive note as depressing and as outrageous as the story is um there's a moral to it i can't really say what it is for spoiler purposes That's fine. I appreciate understanding that yeah sure um it's it's it, there's not a dull moment in the book if I do say so myself. I've had I've had other people read it, including my ex, and you can imagine the conversation that we had. Uh, she uh, we she wouldn't want me telling you this on. Is on, your ex on, one on, of the characters in the book? No, okay. uh, no, she would murder me if I did that. But she asked me if whether or not I had based any of the characters, the main character explicitly, if whether or not she was ever based on that, on, on, mm-hmm. on my ex. And the, answer the answer is no. The answer is always no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's true. I mean, if yeah, a family I mean, member I mean, or a friend on. or someone asks you, is this based on me? No. The answer is always no. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> the answer is mm-hmm. absolutely no. So, and of course, I blushed about the color of uh, the canopy here on, on your tent, the, mm-hmm. that color red, yeah. um, when, sh- when we had that conversation. But uh, I, I still, it, it's gotten a lot of very interesting comments and reviews. Some people don't even know what to make of it. Um, and that's part of the problem. That's why the mainstream media won't touch it. So are you, uh, are you here for the fun of uh, Porkfest? Are you pitching the book at a table, or do you have like copies of it in your car? <laughs> oh, don't I wish. Uh, mm. Sadly, I loaned out all of my copies that were sent to me, all of my uh, free copies, except for the first copy. Of course, it's got a very gotcha. special place in the heart. Um, but ultimately, I'm looking for any external outlet resource that I can wrap my hands around effectively to promote this book, mm. uh, to get the uh, title out there, to get the word out there that this thing is on the market, and it talks about uh, things that most people are too scared to talk about cool. in the, uh, in, uh, around dinner tables, and that's more or less where their superstitions end and my work begins. C.J. Hampel, there you get a little bit of uh, publicity here oh, on Free you. Talk Live, well, author of The Mortician's Curse, that's H-A-N-P-L, in case you're looking that up, Z.J. Hampel, thanks for joining us here Oh my. Please enjoy the rest of your uh, Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's been a wonderful event so far, and we got more coming up here on Free Talk Live. 
Welcome to ForkFest 2020. It is uh, the very last day of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is the first week of ForkFest. It's two events happening simultaneously on the same campground for the very first time. Uh, the ForkFest, four years ago, or I guess technically three years, it's the fourth ForkFest, but it's only been three years' time, right, since the first one happened. Right, number because one this is, is actually, the fourth one. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. So uh, three years ago, ForkFest started as Somalia Fest, and it had basically a group of people: Derek J, uh, Freeman, Steven Zeiler from AnyPay, and some some others uh, came out here. And you know, we did our own thing because the Porcupine Freedom Festival had sort of fallen away from, you know, what we considered it its optimum state and <laughs> to uh, say the least and i want to say that the porcupine freedom festival is now back to where it should be for the most part i think they did a it's really a good lot job closer yeah i would say but th there are still some things that i don't fully endorse like like the picnic tables here that are blocking off most of the roads yeah and like i that. actually ran into one of them last night <laughs> i bet so, I mean, these are the these are the walkways right and it's you're going back pitch to the black, <laughs> right? It's pitch black. There's no, there's been no moon all week here. Yeah. Just a little tiny sliver now, but I mean, oh, there was a sliver last night. I didn't notice it. I, I didn't uh, either. But, but, but I mean, it was so black. And even though we're sitting here next to one of these picnic tables, so we're at the the top of the hill here at Rogers Campground, beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. It's not too late for you to come out if you want to come hang out at ForkFest. Uh, you can go to ForkFest.Party to learn more. But one of the things they did decide to do is to put tables in the roads in this Agora Valley area. And, and I, the idea is you don't want somebody careening down the path and, like, running over somebody, I guess, which has never happened here, so I'm not sure <laughs> what they're worried about. But anyway, they put the table there. So even though I was aware the table was there, right, like I've been seeing it, it's been there for a couple of days. Sure. I wasn't paying attention or whatever, and I wasn't on my phone or anything like that, I don't think. I was just, I just ran into the damn table. And, Sounds uh, painful. It didn't hurt that much, thankfully. Okay. But That's good. Uh, but if that's the, your biggest critique, Aria, is that there's picnic tables in the roads, that's, you know, there's not much to critique. Sure. Right? They did a good job. And, they did. And the way they did a good job, and the reason why we're sort of reflecting right now is it's actually Saturday afternoon as we're recording this Sunday edition of the show. So by the time you're hearing this episode, the Porcupine Freedom Festival will have ended. And, and Fort so, Fest alone will be going. That's right. And we are on, so we're on the final night now. We're in the, uh, the beginnings of the final day, uh, the final full day and, and night of yeah. the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So I think it's, it's an appropriate time to, uh, to do some reflecting on it. And, and it, it was a success. And it's because they let people make their own choices about what to do on their campsites. And I've, I've actually been surprised at how few people we're really even aware of what happened last year. I was just talking with the current president of the Free State Project, Vince Perfetto, who we worked together on the 101 Reasons film, the 101 Reasons right. Liberty Lives in New Hampshire. He was the he was the main guy behind that. I was just in a you know like a co-producer, right? I threw sure. some money at the the thing and I helped run the website. But so you know we get along great, and and he wasn't here last year, so oh. he didn't know about what happened to this Agora Valley, which for listeners that are new is the first four rows of uh, RV campsites here where people set up things like, I you mean, know, it's the hot spaces. zone for vending. Yeah, it is the place to be. If you want to be a vendor, you got to be in Agora Valley. But last year it was empty. 
even though there were, you know, allegedly to people who were here last year yeah. who didn't have any idea that any of this happened. I mean, they knew the vendors had moved down, but mm-hmm. they weren't curious as to why or why Agora Valley was empty or right. any of it. And it was and it was uh, it was embarrassing last year because this is supposed to be a busy area. And once again, it is this year. It has filled back in. There are vendors all throughout Agora Valley. It's no problem to get multiple different vendors with food. And, you know, there's merchandise. There's a big hippie tent with a bunch of cool, uh, you know, psychedelic-looking shirts and hoodies and things like that. And, you know, it looks like crystals and a Buddha statue. And uh, there's all kinds of, uh, of people here set up. I've actually eaten every single day from a different vendor. So I haven't gone nice. back yet. I'm going to go back, I'm sure, to somebody twice. But I've, I've, I've wanted to, to buy uh, everything that I buy here with gold backs, and I've had success. There's, so I far. Have, I've yet to be turned down uh, with gold backs. I even paid in gold backs for my Porkfest ticket today. <laughs> so I actually was not only did I, was I allowed to buy a ticket, yeah. uh, I paid in gold backs. So I'm pretty happy about that. Nice. Yeah. I've got to get down there at some point today to do that. Although today is also, it's kind of pointless. Today Today's the is the free day uh, afternoon. So and it's right the now. last day. So, I mean, yeah. why, why bother? There, you know, there's been a lot of people here uh, who've had a great time, and I hope that we're going to continue having a good time in the next week. I don't know what to expect uh, out of Forkfest. I, I really don't either. Don't. Uh, I'm excited to find out how it goes. Is Think Penguin coming up here for Forkfest? I know he said he was planning to come. I'm just sort of surprised he isn't here already. Yeah, I don't know why Think Penguin, a.k.a. Uh, Chris and Bob, Chris Wade, who's our Friday night co-host, is uh, is not here yet. That was a surprise to me. Uh, so, yeah, they're coming up today. Mark Ed, host, is coming up today, and I plan to ask him what his excuse is <laughs> as to why he wasn't here. I know he has carried a like a vendetta uh, or a grudge against the Free State Project, and I, I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand carrying grudges. I don't understand why someone would do that. It doesn't help you. No, I mean, it's just something for him to carry around and miss out on great events like this because right. he's unhappy with something that happened in the past instead of just forgiving it and letting it go. Yeah, and as somebody, I would have expected that by now he would have learned this uh, about forgiveness, that it's it's about you, right? For right. when you forgive somebody, you don't have to tell them. You don't have to, like, make a yeah, show. it's not about them. No, uh, and, you know, they may not have even asked for it. That's okay. Uh, you don't have to make a show about forgiveness. You just, it's an internal thing. It's just a thing you do for yourself so you can be at peace with whatever it is that has happened to you. Right. Uh, by whatever it is that, you know, whatever person we're talking about. And there's nothing that really can't be forgiven, in my opinion. I remember I was reading, I I was in, yeah, I was in jail. Uh, for civil disobedience, and there was a People magazine in the booking area because we would work in the jail kitchen during the day, and then we had to go back to the cells. But before that, they'd strip us down and search us to make sure you didn't like stick a knife between your butt crack or something like that <laughs> uh, to you know take it okay. out of the kitchen. So we'd get shaken down in the uh, in the booking area, and so while we're waiting to go back to the cells, there's you know like a People magazine there, and so there was an article about this lady. Her son had been killed, uh, like, in a shooting at a party. He was 17. Yeah. They were at a party. Somebody was fighting over a girl or whatever, and somebody pulled out a gun and shot this kid to death. Well, the guy who did it was convicted of murder, and, uh, you know, he went to, to prison. And the 
the mother of this boy that got shot to death forgave her son's killer. That's and great. they had a conversation over, like, you know, letters, right? Sending letters. Sure. Um, so she's sending letters to the guy who killed her son. She forgives this guy. He gets out of prison, and she let him move in with wow. her. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they, that, that, that's a step beyond forgiveness, but it okay. Is. She, but she created a, a relationship with this guy. So it is sure. way beyond. That's why I'm telling yeah. the story, right? Like, most people wouldn't be able to forgive their son's murderer, number one. But well, they should be able to because that's the only way they're ever going to find justice, right? And peace yeah. inside. Um, they should be able to, but people have a huge problem with, with forgiveness. Yeah, it's, they love their punishment, man. It's not something, and punishing themselves in that case, but it's not yeah. something that, uh, that people are particularly familiar with. It's something that takes practice. It's something that, uh, you know, you have to consciously choose. I just thought that was such a touching story. And of it course, is. the way it was told was much more moving, right? Like I right. gave you the, the, uh, the Reader's Digest version of it, but wow, I mean, how amazing. The level of forgiveness to, to be able to not only forgive, but to take that person in, right? Because you can forgive somebody, but not forget, right? right? Like if, if you steal from me, I'm probably not going to give you access to money anymore, right? Like sure. I can still forgive you and still care about you and love you, but, well, you know, you got to prove forgiving yourself. Forgiving someone doesn't mean you have to let yourself be burned by them repeatedly, right? Right, be taken advantage of. Yeah. Exactly. So um, anyway, to come to come back to Mark, so he's he was mad when the Free State Project announced that they were banning uh, Free Talk Live, and like my attitude was, hey, whatever, they got to do what they got to do for the people they want to make happy, and yeah, got to get those Republicans here, man. They wanted to make a certain group of people happy, and that group of people appears to still not be happy, from from what I can tell. <laughs> Who I was told, have ever thought? I was told last night that there's uh, some number of people. I don't know how many there are. But some number of people is choosing to not come this year because they've heard I'll be here. <laughs> How petty, man. Yeah. I mean, that's just more. Uh, I mean, I, I say that's petty, but by that same token, I have to include Mark in that. I mean, they're mm -hmm. punishing themselves by missing this great, fun event with a bunch of wonderful people yep. because Silly. they don't want to be troubled with having to walk by you and ignore you. That, yeah, that's I bizarre. Don't know. I, yeah, and I don't know who Mark's trying to avoid or what his deal is. It's just the weirdest thing. I hope he gets over it. At least he's coming out for uh, for now, and we'll see what he says. I'm sure he'll have some excuse that he was busy or whatever, but I don't buy that. You had a whole, you had a whole year to plan for this. We've been talking yeah. about it for a whole year. More coming up here. We got more on the way from uh, ForkFest.Party. This is Free Talk Live. Remember when you first heard about Bitcoin? How long did it take you to realize this little project would soon change the world? Do you kind of wish you had gotten involved sooner? Well, now is your chance to be part of the next revolution in money. Intercoin is working to finally make crypto go mainstream. It's designed to be scalable enough to support everyday payments and even elections without the state. Bitcoin was originally supposed to be a peer-to-peer -peer cash system, the way we would all pay one another without having to trust any third party. But instead, over time, it mostly became a store of value. That's because every 10 minutes, the Bitcoin network must put all transactions into a block. And that block can only hold so much. If crypto is to become mainstream, for everyone to use it in everyday payments, we need a new architecture, one that's as secure as Bitcoin while being far more scalable. Check out intercoin.org to find out more and maybe pick up some of those coins for yourself. Free Talk Live. Free talk We're here live. at... 
Forkfest 2020 and the very tail end of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Of course, Forkfest continues on for an entire another week. So if you get a chance uh, to come on up here and join a freedom-loving bunch of folks in the woods, beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire, you really ought to. Uh, go to Forkfest.party. You can learn more about the event there as we continue with uh, hour number three now of our Sunday night show as we're recording this on Saturday afternoon on what is the final full day of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's Ian and Aria in our remote studio at the top of the hill. And Jeffrey Tucker, welcome back to Free Talk Live. Well, of course, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've been here, what, a couple of days? Yeah, days? I have. I came in, well, I guess, on Thursday afternoon, and mm-hmm. things are picking up a little bit more. It's an unusual year, actually. I, in what I way? Say. Well, it's just different. Uh, well, for one thing... <laughs> well, this is lockdowns, right? Lockdown, Everything's yeah. different, we, as we know. But like one thing is that there's a drought, so we were missing the the uh, the fire that was always the central gathering spot for. Has for there not the, been a the fire? Air. There's been a fire. Every, Has there been a fire? Yeah, the last three nights. Oh, there really? Weren't the well, first probably two. going to bed too early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's also there's far fewer people. But the other Do you hand, think? Yeah, I think so. No, I think we've... Am I wrong? I don't know. I've heard... Okay, so I've heard they've sold over 850 tickets. That seems unimaginable to me. And that more than or approximately 600 have come in. But this is just what I've heard. I heard this from Vince Perfetto, who's the president of the Free State Project. He hasn't seen the final numbers yet, so we may be able to talk to Carla Garrett. Who knows? You know, it's it's a miracle this conference is happening at At all. all. You know, right? I mean, and, and actually it's almost didn't happen. I was like... Even going through Lancaster, you know, we're, we're right by this town called Lancaster, yeah. right? And that's always been a pretty little happening place. You know, there's a little restaurants and things happening, a little yeah. ice cream store. For a tiny little town, it yeah, is Yeah, no, it's kind of yeah. fun. Uh, but now you go through it, it's like... It's like windswept or something like that. <laughs> well, there's that, a farmer you know? market happening there today. That mm-hmm. was very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it's really like oh, they we've got gone the through mask required signs up. So oh, yeah, on. there's that. But I've you know, look, if you dress in a fancy way, nobody bothers you. <laughs> I've learned this. Nobody told me to put on a mask. Right. But but I, you know, it's very strange. And I wonder how many parts of the country are like this. You know, I've been stuck on the um, on on our estate, AIR's estate, for the last five months. So I haven't really been out and about. Mm-hmm. And I was really taken aback uh, at the desolation. You know, maybe that's the wrong word, but the destruction or the sadness or like the economic destruction. Yeah, like yeah. half the businesses seem closed, even in Lancaster. But even driving here, mm-hmm. everywhere I stopped off, there was sadness and boarded up places and oh, angry bad. people. And I, I, I really am at the point of thinking about all of us that there's a strange sense of which we're all survivors, all survivors of of the lockdown culture. Um, I've seen people with shirts that say they're COVID survivors. I haven't seen a lockdown survivor shirt, but I like right. that idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, really, I mean, look, we can t- we don't have to talk about this, but 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 I think the the the, the core problem has not been the, the 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 virus as such, but the response to the virus. Absolutely. The, yeah, the, pr- pr- the presumption on the part of government that they could somehow manage it. Whatever that means. It was never clear what that was supposed to be, but they were going to take care of the virus for us. And look, it didn't work. 
It, no. d- it just it hasn't worked out for people. Not to mention the hubris of it. I mean, to think right? that a government can control a force of nature You're like right. a virus. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's change the coefficient of gravity while we're at it. You're <laughs> right about this. And, you know, I spent a lot of the morning. I mean, you probably do this, too. We all do this. We look at the data and look at the data and look at the data. I was looking at the, at, at the, the, the pattern of, of death from COVID, as C-19 death, in, in Sweden, UK, United States, Israel, and Italy. And they're all the same pattern. It doesn't matter if you if you were doesn't open, matter the lockdown or lo- not lo- lockdown open not mask yes no but it's this that the other thing uh, ten people twelve people b- big gatherings not gatherings you know none of it matters it's just the same damn thing mm-hmm. it's like yeah. a lot of death and then m- median age eighty uh, you know around the world if yeah. not eighty one and then it just kind of go- goes down and so people with very low life expectancies kick the bucket maybe a little sooner than otherwise yeah. would have because of because of the virus, and then, and then that's it, and it goes away. And you see the same pattern everywhere in the world. Lockdowns around. It's like st- it's like states uh, <laughs> have met their match, you know. And, With and, COVID. and, and as yeah, and as as I'm not, you know, I think I consider myself sort of self a libertarian or like a like a extreme doubter of of the of the benefits that that government has in our world. Mm, sure. And um, and I think that this is a maybe in our lifetimes the most. Um, prescient example of the irrelevance of government not just irrelevant not so much irrelevance but the just the economic destruction yeah Yeah, i mean just the ignorance and the well they tried to take on a virus and and they failed they failed what of the nation i don't remember the name of it that imposed no lockdown with the dictator belarus belarus what are their death numbers Uh, i haven't looked it up i should look yeah they're not unusual we actually had a guy uh because i've been asking we we saw like there was you know some mainstream media stories about belarus doesn't have any lockdowns he's crazy he's want he wants people to go out and drink vodka and go to hockey games which is what he was actually saying it yeah, was yeah, hilarious yeah. um you know, and there were some people in the country who voluntarily were locking themselves down and wanting to wear masks sure but people so, get afraid people get afraid that's yeah. one thing i've learned about like i don't think I've, have you ever in your life in yours have you ever experienced anything like the a public panic uh, towards a disease before nothing I, like this i, I remember AIDS. terrorism there was a lot of panic about was, terrorism. that's right 9 11 yeah that was panic. and i imagine the the panic arcs are very similar very similar. Yeah. Well, and, well, the messaging is similar too, because Trump came out at one point and he called it, called COVID the invisible enemy, and when he said that, right. I really realized like this is very similar to what happened with nine eleven, right? Because with nine yeah. eleven, it's now we're going to have a war on terror. Well, what's terror? Well, we'll know when we see it. So it wasn't like your typical war where there's guys in camouflage yeah, and right. you know one side versus the other. It's, well, that brown person over there might be a terrorist. And so mm-hmm. people start getting afraid of brown people and they get super suspicious and it created this culture of fear surrounding brown people, which of course is ridiculous and unfair. But that aside, terrorism was the invisible enemy back in 2001 and now it's covid now, but it's even uh, yeah. more insidious because it's now expanded it's to everyone, everyone. It's now not, it's yeah. everyone everyone is a suspect everybody is an enemy you're right about right. that you're and right, that's right. and you can see people behave in this way you oh, know when so you walk terrible. down the grocery store aisle and somebody's you know pressing themselves up against oh, the other so side of the aisle to try to avoid you. oh it's so embarrassing you know and i try to maintain my composure and i've mostly been disciplined but the other day i was at the grocery store and somebody hopped out of the way 
when I was when I was walking, and it, it just it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I said, "That's right. That's how you avoid getting sick. You have to hop a few <laughs> steps over this way because God knows I'm full of disease, and I'm and, and for some mysterious reason I'm walking right towards you, preparing to infect you." And he looked at me and he didn't say anything. And 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 after that I thought, "Wait, you, know you what? actually said that, or I was did. that what you were thinking?" I, no, I, no, oh, okay. I said that to him because I was. Annoyed. Sure. <laughs> and, and and after that, I thought, you know what? I need to dial this back. <laughs> yeah. This is not the time to lash out at my fellow human beings. <laughs> well, didn't, they ha- didn't they have signs up in China saying something like, everyone you see is a ghost that could potentially kill you or something like that? Mm. I haven't seen such wow. signs here in the U.S., but the mentality is it's certainly there. there. Well, we're going to talk about this uh, tonight in my lecture, but you know, the big problem is... is uh, a loss of wisdom and understanding of how viruses work, mm-hmm. where they come from, and what we do with them, and that—that's really it. I, I recently read a, a great, a great book called Microbiology for Dummies. Okay, and actually explained everything. Like, like, how do you get rid of a virus? How do you get a virus? How do you get rid of it? How do you protect yourself? Not a word in the book about locking down or avoiding people or <laughs> right. masking yourself and social distancing. All this crap came about in two thousand. Six, and that's what I'm going to talk about uh, tonight. It's very strange. You know, there are certain moments in history where humanity loses the knowledge that they once had. Um, this happened apparently with uh, scurvy, you know, this disease you get yeah. uh, which yeah. you don't have vitamin C. So in like the 14th century, they figured out you needed lemons and so they would on. But And then a couple of centuries went by, a few centuries went by when nobody had scurvy. And they forgot, like, how do you protect against it? And then people got scurvy again. And and then scientists had to rediscover what scurvy what was they already and, knew. And, and and how to prevent against it. I almost feel like something very similar has happened with our knowledge of virology and viruses and immunology between, say, World War II and suddenly, boom, you know, the 21st century comes and a whole generation mm. is confused. And, and our attitudes towards coronavirus have been positively medieval, if not biblically stupid. <laughs> it's like... We've just been so dumb about It has this. been ridiculous. Uh, do you want to stick with us and keep chatting? Sure, Jeffrey, sure. Jeffrey Tucker is here with us from AIER.org. What's that stand for again? Uh, American Institute for Economic Research. The foremost boring uh, words in the English language. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue here. Jeffrey Tucker with uh, Ian and Aria at our remote studio at Rogers Campground. ForkFest 2020 continues. Free Talk Live at ForkFest 2020, at the very tail end of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. ForkFest.party is a website you can go to to learn more about this event. It continues through uh, the entire next week. So if you didn't make it up for the Porcupine Freedom Festival, come on up here uh, for ForkFest. We don't know what it's going to look like because there are no tickets that you can purchase for ForkFest. <laughs> there are no organizers. There's uh, just people coming and hanging out. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker is one of the speakers at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And uh, Jeffrey, you're a regular here. How many years in a row? I think, now? I think about six. I think six, six yeah. years. And, and this this year is different. You know, I God, you know, I've I've had so many touching experiences with people here. There's a couple of a family drove from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Why do they come from Michigan? It's just a desperate reaching out for something normal and real and right. human contact. That's what people yeah. want more than anything else is to, 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 to talk to people and, and dare I say, touch people. Well, that's why this is so sick. And Aria and I have been talking about this, this whole COVID so-called social distancing. I mean, social distancing is anything but social. It is, the, it <laughs> is anti-social. It is putting masks on is anti-human. You're disconnecting 
human beings from being able to experience the full range of emotions and face it's, expressions. It's, it's state propaganda, and, and as, as we know, it, it all originated with a, a 14-year-old girl um, performing a, a science experiment in 2006 for a science fair in which she imagined how people could avoid contracting cooties uh, by staying away from each other. And her father, who was a data scientist working for Sandia National Laboratories in 2006, and thought she had a really great insight and so codified this theory of social distancing in a paper that came out in 2006 really? and was presented to the Bush administration. The, the medical doctors at the, at the time said, this is, this is, this is pseudoscience, this is ridiculous, or this, this is the real world, it's not SimCity. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why are we letting this... By the way, her name is Sarah um, Glass. <coughs> her name is on the, on the academic paper that was published. And wow. it was attacked by every um, medical professional and virologist and, and epidemiologist at the time as being completely ridiculous. But the Bush administration liked it. Hmm. Well, they of course thought, they did. It's a new way to control people and their behavior. Yeah. yeah. And that, they were apocalyptics too, right? I mean, imagine yeah. uh, five years after 9-11, Bush is like a crazy man because he's done crazy things and seen insane things happen. You get a taste for that blood. You know, you get a taste for control, like you said. Yeah. Um, and, and so he wanted something outrageous. So sure enough, these, these people presented this ridiculous paper with, with PowerPoint and everything else. Like, if we keep everybody apart when the next virus comes along, then, then... It's never clear, right? right. It's never clear. <laughs> what then? But uh, but anyway, the Bush administration sided with the uh, computer programmers over the medical doctors and wrote social distancing into the CDC's 2007 uh, pandemic, wow. p- pandemic plans. And so I didn't was, know it went back that far. Yeah, it was 14 years ago. This, this whole thing was hatched. And um, I get to talk more about that tonight because I, I, I have a weird amount of knowledge about this, actually, because I've talked to many of the people who were there. Uh, when this happened, you mean? Uh, who were there uh, at the time in 2006 mm-hmm. at, the, at the White House presenting, mm-hmm. you know, and and all these freaks, they, they sat waiting for 14 years because that was a, the height of their careers to be invited to the White House and present this big model, you know, and have the president doting over you, which I think matters Gross. to some people. Yeah. And so then they've had 14 years of lame. You know, 2009 came and they said, well, here's a cool virus. It's H1N1. It's just like the pandemic of 1918. But, but yeah, we had a new president and a financial crisis to deal with. So they couldn't mm-hmm. get anybody's attention. They wanted everybody to do the kabuki dance back then, but it didn't work. So you Why have- this time? Why did it work now? After all these opportunities, and these are things worth talking about. I, I, I think it might have something to do with um, the, the political divisions in the country, you know, and uh, the fact. But it wasn't uh, political at first. It we, became political as politicians. It's an election year. You knew it was going to become a political football, and now it has. What's interesting about that is that in late February. If you wanted to see the people who were like apocalyptic about COVID, they're almost all on the right. They were, you know, they were like say, saying this is very bad. It's going to kill us all. There's a certain kind of uh, mentality out there, the, kind of like disasters coming. Mm-hmm. And on the left, by which I mean the center left, whatever the Wash, Washpo, even the New York Times, the uh, the Psychology Today, and Slate were all saying, "Look, every you you rubes out there are getting hysterical about this virus. There's, this is not uh, this is a mild virus. It's it's probably going to kill people with low life expectancy, and otherwise leave everybody alone. We should get herd immunity. That's what everybody. Slate, Washpo, huh. New York Times, everybody's saying in late February. So they flipped. 
they flipped. And it and it was a two week period between I would say February twenty eighth and about March uh March twelfth. <clears throat> and part of the reason was the Red Dawn email list. But again, I will talk about this later. But but on February twenty eighth, the New York Times, Daniel McNeil, the uh, lead virus reporter for the New York Times went on the podcast and predicted that COVID will kill 5.25 million Americans <laughs> or six of your friends. Now, wow. I pointed that out to Peter Earl, and Peter Earl said, geez, I only have six friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, what I said before was if, uh, if it were a real pandemic, in my opinion, I would know people who've died. You know, yeah. if, or if just people, people who had had it, or even had it, yeah, I know one guy. I know one okay. guy. Did he test uh, positive, or you just got it and stayed home? That's what all of us. Are he not, tested but... positive. He's from New York City. Oh, cool. He's one of our advertisers, and he, you know, he beat it. Cool. He's well, of course, guy. yeah, you're bad a couple of days. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, who hasn't been sick of the last week? In fact, it's so funny. I've had so many become people come to me, tell me and say, "Hey, I don't want to tell you this, but I was not feeling very well last week. I think I probably had COVID, but don't tell anybody." So everybody's like scared. Right. So you, the last thing you would do if you're sick right now is go to the doctor. Then yeah. what happens? Like, oh, the, what's it going to be going to the put you on a list? Yeah, you're going to be on the news in the newspaper. They got to contact trace all your friends, right? <laughs> Force them all to get tested. No, it's it scary. Sounds awful. That's why people stopped using doctors, mm -hmm. uh, doctors over the last three months. You know. It's been a crazy, intimidating environment. Like the whole point of doctors and medical things is that when you get sick, you're supposed to be able to go to them. That didn't happen over the last three months. It's the well, last thing you would do. Uh, right. Well, normally it would be the last thing I would do anyway because normally I don't want to go to a doctor unless things have gotten impossible to deal That's with. That's right? a good attitude. Yeah. And, and, and one of the – the New York Times ran an article about four or five days ago. Pete, I don't know if I put this up on our website or not, but – uh, they said, you know, the strangest thing is that hardly anybody's been to the doctor in three months, and, and nobody's really sick. In fact, uh, people are less sick than they've ever been. So <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a good – like, we're all right. looking for good things, good takeaways yeah. from the last several. Maybe, maybe that's one thing. We, we realize we're over-reliant on, on, uh, on doctors and medical establishments, that sort of thing. So that's probably good. It's probably good. It's like I'm reaching. But. Well, it stands to reason. If you go to the doctor for a checkup and there are people there with the flu or pneumonia or whatever, you have a higher chance mm -hmm. of catching. Sure. Yeah, that's I mean, true. You're going to where sick people congregate. So yeah. not going there that's seems like a, a good mistake. idea. That's usually a mistake. Usually a mistake. Jeffrey, what's your topic about tonight? You're speaking. Well, I'm talking about the, the, the origins of, of the lockdown idea, and I'm okay. talking about this 2006 thing because I, I know a weird amount uh, about it because I got obsessed with the topic and I talked to a lot of people who were there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually have a lot of documents that I've yet to release, only only because I don't want to have to live in the uh, uh, the, the uh, embassy of the Ecuador in London you know, for the rest of my life because <laughs> uh, I don't know what's what's you know what's whatever, secret and what's not secret, but I do have a lot of documents. Tell okay. it all. I yeah. can tell, but I can't show. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker, uh, always appreciate having you on hey, here wonderful. on Thank Free you. Talk Thanks Live. So much. Head over to his website, AIER.org, and I'm sure we'll see you again okay. soon. Thank you so much. Ian. Thanks for being, being here. Thank you, sir. Uh, more on the way. We're here on the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live at ForkFest 2020. I have a chocolate cocker spaniel named Lady and a blackmouth cur, and it's a lot of responsibility owning a dog. My dogs don't have any health problems because they're eating what they need to eat. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot Dynavite is like pouring a multivitamin right onto their food. We'll be scooping our Dynavite, then squirting the liquor chops and the fish oil. They start salivating. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 
Free Talk Live. We're at ForkFest 2020. I want to say thank you to Robert Womack III and Leah H. They are silver amplifiers of the Free Talk Live AMP program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And it means it's a way for you to help support what we do here, which is talking about the ideas of freedom seven nights a week on the radio. Uh, so the AMP program makes that possible. It helps us get on news stations and gives you some cool perks as well. Go to amp.freetalklive.com, A-M-P AMP dot freetalklive.com you can get signed up there like robert and leah have done and you can help us again spread the ideas of freedom as far and as wide as we possibly can in the studio with you here it is ian and aria and also joining us now mark edge here i am uh, is finally here after an entire week you finally made it up here What's your I mean, excuse? Only here for like a day or yeah, two. Yeah. What's What's your excuse, Mister? I don't really have an excuse. I mean, like I my this was kind of my intention in the first place. Is I wanted to see what Porkfest was like. Uh-huh. For um, so you decided you'd come for one day for to the see end what of, it was like. Well, this is the day. This is the Saturday. It is of a Pork day, Fest. and that is one of traditionally several. the big day of Porkfest. So I it is to a see. big day, and I'm I'm surprised by how many people are here. Now, um, were you here last year at all? Yes. At the Porcupine Freedom Festival? Yeah, I, was, okay. uh, I left just as it was starting, mm. and it was like, you know, there was a lot of people left over from Pork Fest. They were going right. to, you know, stay So you didn't through. get to really feel what the Pork Fest last year was like. No, then. but uh, you were here, and I figured you'd take good care of things. You know, Pork Fest and I... Oh, I, wait, you spoke at Pork Fest last year. Did I? Yeah, I guess were, I came back. that's why I came, because you were that's speaking... Right. Uh, on the stage, and you got an extra ticket. How many of these have we been to? I guess is really the question. I mean, you know, we've been to Rogers Campground every, every single year, year since, since 20, 2009. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, it, it tends to blur together for me. Terribly yeah. sorry if I can't remember all of uh, what occurred. But, you know, I, as far as you know, as far as Pork Fest goes, I'm, I'm I hope that Pork Fest does great, and I hope Pork Fest does great, and all that stuff. I'm just kind of, we'll see how it goes. It has been great. Um, we've been here all week. Uh, we started broadcasting on Tuesday. You and Captain Kickass held yep. the fort down on Monday night uh, there in Keene, which actually helped out a lot because it meant that, like, it ended up we had some te- serious technical difficulties getting things set up, and uh, we would have been in a serious rush if it hadn't been for you guys Monday. So that was very helpful. Awesome. We've been a day ahead the whole time, so that's why we're okay. recording Sunday night uh, right now. And but I, can't, I arrive on Saturday during the, I guess, l- early afternoon. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you're here for the last day, but you missed a really great uh, party last night at the Dome. Uh, of course, the AnyPay Dome is here, and it was uh, it was bumping last night. Arya and I were there. And I in- had intended originally to make it for that, but yeah, a, dinner, disco. A, a dinner party uh, sort of was planned in my absence uh, uh, that I needed to attend, and I, a couple of days ago, my back went out. Oh, no. So I really couldn't right, well, that's a good excuse. travel around. I'm, you'll, you'll notice me making noises when I move now, anyway. Like, so, uh, that yeah, kind of noise. Those kind of things, yeah. yeah. Those are the noises you make uh, in your old age. Yep. It's just the way it is. So, so last All night- the more reason I don't want to live past 50, Mark. <laughs> well, I'm 49, and i got to tell you that um, you know, 50 doesn't look like a good time to die to me. Last night was awesome. Uh, the boys did an amazing job. The The Dome last year was great. 
last year was the first year for the dome, but they really, you know, they learned a few lessons on how to put it together. They put it together much faster yep. uh, this time around and did a little differently and set it up a little differently. They got a professional light guy uh, named James who was in there who's wow. like on their team now, basically. James so, the light guy. Got yeah, it. I don't know what his last name is, but he's awesome. Uh, he's got like one of those light mixing boards. So like we've got a mixer for audio. Wow. They have light mixing boards as well, and he's got like some killer lights uh, set up in there. So they definitely took it to the next level this year. Yeah, there were four disco balls this year, one of which had rings around it, like <laughs> <Right>. Saturn. <I laughs> they, mean, they made a custom holy crap. 3D printed rings, attached them to the disco ball. And this is what you missed, Mark. Yeah, it's probably amazing. still hanging in there if he wants to go and check it out a little bit later. I have been here and still not gone to the dance party because I go to bed late, early, um, yeah. and the, the dance party's late. So it started at uh, officially it started at seven, but it really didn't start until sundown. I don't think until the the sun went down. But it was even better attended than last year. Uh, yeah, there were sure. a lot of people in there. I would say the place was full for a good portion of it. Wow. Uh, lots of like, they had like inflatable couches around the room, very large inflatable couches that since they're inflatable, they're pretty easy to move. So the first, the beginning portion of the night, the couches were sort of faced toward the uh, the outside of the tent, so not faced toward the in, inside. Uh, so the people sitting on the couches had a little bit of privacy. They could just kind of hang out. There was, of course, plenty of people dancing, and uh, Derek J., Stephen, and just a good crowd of folks. Uh, good night. The weather here has been great. So, I mean, you really, you've missed a good uh, pork fest, Mark. That's all i got to say. It's been great. So, um, like, they were, like... The, the, the couch is facing outward, and then everybody would dance on the inside. Yeah, and then later in the evening, Derek J. rotated the couches to okay. face the inside, or at least two of them to face inside, so the people on the couches could then watch what was going on. So it was a really As nice... people began to get tired, or what was the reason for that? I don't know, just to change things up. It was okay. trying to bring the People's Party of Judea together with the Judean People's Party. I don't get that. Is uh, that a joke? It is. Uh, it's from the life of Brian and... Uh, oh, okay. You know, Monty one of, Python. Yeah, one of those... Uh, you know, one of the critiques of uh, those who have been inside the liberty movement is is that uh, we tend to fractionalize mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like, the only thing we heard hate worse than the uh, the Roman government is the People's Party of Judea here in the mm-hmm. Judeans People Party, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, libertarians, the greatest enemies of libertarians is kind of my joke. That's an obscure joke. Yeah, well, I'll do yeah, my best. Yeah, man, that was out there. Okay. <laughs> Doing my best. Not everyone's going to fly. The other some caffeine. I think they got some monsters. <laughs> I do there. not need caffeine. The other thing they did differently this time and was also an improvement, and they were raving about it at the end. They were so happy with how successful it was because uh, I stayed t- still the, till the end. They were shutting things sure. down. And they were so pleased. Everybody who went to the party last night paid with Bitcoin to get in. And when I say Bitcoin, I mean like they they mean the other things. Bitcoin Cash and and Bitcoin SV. That's what most people paid for. Yeah, yeah well, you had take to take Bitcoin. I don't know about that. That's oh, an if excellent you're looking question. for a $3 transaction cost, sure. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take probably a dollar today. To... It's probably a dollar right now, but okay. uh, it's still a lot. And uh, but what they did last year was they did an invitation only thing and that didn't work out as well. It it kind of made things feel more exclusive, and that was what they wanted, right? They sure. wanted an exclusive, want exclusivity, but right. not quite that exclusive. Yeah, they wanted an exclusive event, but this one... The bouncer at the door feel is what they wanted. And they had that. <laughs> uh, they had that. And this year, they didn't have a bouncer at the door, per se. Actually, it was Derek J. who would go out there and sell the tickets. But uh, they wanted to open it up to anybody that was willing to do, you know, jump through the hoops. They want people to have and use cryptocurrency. Okay. And so they created a destination that people wanted to go to. 
and they said, if you want to get in this this club, you got to pay the cover in crypto. Nice. Nowhere else you're going to get in. So people would would try to come in, and they'd say, how much is it? So two dollars, and they'd start getting out crypto. They said, no, 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 worth a bitcoin. And some people just walked away. What they right? reported is that it's amazing how many of the people here don't actually know how to use crypto okay. in a transaction. But every one of these people did. And and if they didn't Indeed. know how, they learned how. So there was definitely a learning uh, experience for some of the people who went in there. And that was That's a good the thing. point. That's that the was, point. Yeah, yeah, that was the point. To give people – because if there's something that you – if there's something people want – bad enough they'll figure out how to get it sure. and that's why you know the silk road became such a success the the very first underground marketplace that's why the silk road helped bitcoin really take off in the earliest days in, tw- in 2011 right nothing like that had ever been done before and the reason was, was because people wanted to buy drugs that are generally illegal in right. most places and they wanted to get those Drugs with a significant, uh, significantly more likely that they would get them, and more likely that they would not be beaten yep. within an inch of their life while they got them. Yes, and so you know you can say whatever you want to say about the idea of people using drugs, but what you can't say is that people aren't going to do it. Right, and because people are going to do it, sure. and the question is, is do you want those people? to be able to get those drugs um, and to get them without getting harmed. Because, you know, the drug war is bad and it causes lots of consequences. And those consequences are an overreaching police force. Hmm, where do you suppose that might happen? And organized crime. Yeah. It's a good conversation. We can continue it maybe on a different show. we got Tone Vase on the way here to wrap things up on our Sunday night. He's a Bitcoin maximalist. And he's here on a Bitcoin uh, panel. More coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. We're at ForkFest 2020. It's Free Talk Live, and we're here at ForkFest 2020. And you can go to ForkFest.party to learn more about it. Uh, ForkFest, by the way, brought to you by Intercoin. Just as the Internet is a global network that connects local networks, Intercoin is a global currency platform that enables communities around the world to issue and manage their own currency to circulate among their local population. Intercoin enables fintech innovation on the local community level, leading to stronger communities, greater sustainability, less poverty, and more productivity. Intercoin is attempting to regain some of our freedoms that are threatened on the Internet and in meat space. We think that's important here on Free Talk Live. So important we accepted $40,000 worth of Intercoin tokens from Intercoin Incorporated for advertising. If you think freedom is important, too, check out intercoin.org at intercoin.org. Uh, you can invest in this project and potentially make big gains or just be involved and perhaps shape its future. Intercoin.org. And now Aria has transformed into Mark Edge. There I am. Yes. Here you are. Finally. I've after reached a my week, final form. After a week, you have arrived for the very final day of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's glad to finally have you out here, Mark. Also uh, joining me, I'm Ian. We've got Tone Vase on our third microphone. Hey, Tone. 
Hey guys, good seeing you again. Yeah, I think the last time we saw you was last year at this very event. Yeah, I believe it's my number three now. This uh, is after... only your third? Yeah, I've been invited many times prior. And, I feel like uh, I've been here like five times at least. Yeah, it's uh, probably should have started coming earlier, but better late than ever. Well, usually they have uh, some sort of Bitcoin panel at the uh, Porcupine Freedom Festival, and apparently you're, you, were, you were already on it? That already happened? I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did our Bitcoin panel. It was it was good. Covered a lot of different topics from trading to uh, economics to just uh, how Bitcoin uh, is helping in this fight for freedom. Is it sort of, a, was it kind of like a basics panel? Did you get a lot of questions from newbies at the end? Uh, yeah, there were some. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get into the technical uh, technicals of Bitcoin. Right, more yeah, lose philosophical, yeah. More philosophical and uh, what is good for, uh, why it's important. And the biggest topic on that front is being responsible for your own keys. Uh, mm. Tell is... me what that means, because we know, but our listeners think. Imagine you're on uh, 100 radio stations right now. People have just yep. now heard you talk about keys and Bitcoin. That mean? So for me, what got me into Bitcoin is Bitcoin's property of being unconfiscatable. And I really love that word that didn't even exist uh, prior to uh, me getting that domain, uh, unconfiscatable.com. Mm-hmm. Because for the first time in human history, you can own something of value that you can protect in your head, but only if you actually have possession of it. And uh, with Bitcoin, you have the opportunity to be your own bank, which means mm-hmm. you only you are responsible for that value. Uh, but most people don't want that responsibility or they don't know that that opportunity is there for them to be fully responsible uh, for their Bitcoin. And when someone else uh, ends up being responsible for your Bitcoin, holding it for you, that's no different than having your money at the bank. That's right. Sure, it's more sound money and you are getting the Bitcoin property of the soundness of Bitcoin's money, but you certainly lose Bitcoin's other two critical properties. One being the unconfiscatability feature yep. and the other one being this censorship resistant value transfer because the more regulated entities are holding on to your Bitcoin, the more the government is able to track where all of this money, how they're being used, how it's being spent. And the more people take control of their Bitcoin and hold full possession of it, all those three properties are uh, at their disposal. Unconfiscatability, censorship resistance, and uh, sound money. Yeah, such an important idea. If you don't have your keys to your Bitcoin, then it's not your Bitcoin. That's right. And that's true with money in the bank, too. If you don't have your money in your hand, it's not your money. The bank will likely give it back to you. Likely. And it took can, five months for Bank of America to give uh, the money back to me that they stole. You can go to court and you yep. can petition a judge and the bank will likely, you know, side with the judge, you know, will do what the judge asks or, or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But ultimately, you know, ownership's about control. And if you don't control your money, then it isn't yours. Right. And, and here's the worst part. Like, this always happens when you really need it. Uh, when you really, really need it, and mm-hmm. that's when you're not going to be able to get it. That's how we get bank runs because there's not enough cash on hand. Um, and the other issue is we're in the U.S. You're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, and you're supposed to be able to afford a lawyer. So what is the first thing the government does when they try to acu- when they accuse you of a crime? They lock they, your bank they, accounts. They lock your bank accounts and they freeze your money and don't give you an opportunity to pay for that lawyer, that's right. which is atrocious. It's absolutely true. I mean, with uh, cryptocurrency, at the very least, you can try to find a lawyer that will take cryptocurrency. And there are a couple of them. Probably these days, that wouldn't be as hard as you might think it is. Or um, you can sell your cryptocurrency for dollars and then use the dollars to go to the lawyer. So, yeah, absolutely true.
You can uh, sell cryptocurrency for dollars, but the even that is a challenge uh, with websites like localbitcoins.com cracking down and mandating know your customer requirements, uh, ridiculous ID hoop jumping in order to just maintain an account there. Uh, after four years of selling bitcoins on localbitcoins.com, they closed my account with no notice whatsoever, no explanation. I still have no idea what that was about. I mean, I, I had 100% positive feedback on my profile. Like, I had thousands of trades over four years, and they didn't even bother to give me an explanation. Yeah. So, you know, if you have to, in order to change Bitcoin into cash, you have to have some way of doing that. And if you don't know somebody personally who's willing to give you cash in hand, then you have to go online, and that means hoop jumping in a lot of these cases. Yeah, but it, uh, while that is true, that is still, you know, a good problem to have, right? Mm -hmm. It's a solvable problem versus I don't have any access to my money. Well, yeah, it is solvable. You're right. You just you have to jump through some hoops. And luckily, there have been some competitors open up. Uh, there's a new website called AgoraDesk.com, which is competing with local Bitcoins. And they do not require uh, ID in order to create an account on the site. Also, Local.Bitcoin.com for Bitcoin Cash purchases does the same thing. So we're seeing some alternatives pop up that are you know trying to uh, promote their product and service to people that care about privacy because there are a large number of people that actually do care about privacy now tone some people have called you a bitcoin maximalist is that how you would describe yourself um sure i mean that's the label that other people put on people like myself uh vitalik buterin kind of started it that's the guy who founded ethereum yes mm -hmm. uh one of the ethereum that's founders. the number two crypto on the planet uh correct today yeah, it's okay. been that way for a while. All right. It's a pretty solid number two. There's a there's a ways to go before Tether catches up. Do you like uh, a good solid number two? Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really consider Tether a crypto. Uh, True. It's just a representation of uh, of the U.S. dollar in digital form. Uh, but it's regardless crypto that, cryptographically protected, right? I mean... It, it is uh, a crypto in that it's a crypto token that represents a dollar supposedly held right. in a bank somewhere by the company that has created, in this case, Tether. A backed crypto token. It is a crypto token backed by the dollar. That is correct. Okay. And, and it has become that. the number three largest market cap uh, on yes. the planet right Which now. Which just means that they have enough, uh, they, you know, they've been in the business long enough that they've collected enough money uh, that they can back enough of these things. Supposedly. Yeah. The big question with Tether is whether or not they actually have enough backing for the... Well, I can tell you this as far as banks go. Just before this whole COVID thing happened, the Federal Reserve uh, removed the necess necessity that a bank um, have uh, one to $1 to every nine they loan. Yep, so that's right. This, they got rid of that. At this point, uh, the likelihood that Tether is not as solvent as they say is um, really in inconsequential compared to banks being as uh, solvent as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I and I agree with all that. Uh, but the position of someone like myself when it comes to crypto is, uh, I believe that Bitcoin was a huge innovation, uh, both financial and technological. And uh, one of the, yeah, if we're going to talk about the three properties of Bitcoin that are sacred to me, unconfiscatability, censorship resistant value transfer, and uh, sound money, uh, all those other coins that exist, they don't have any of those properties to me, like none. Okay. Um, I don't consider any of the Bitcoin's competitors, they like to call themselves Bitcoin competitors, uh, but I don't see them being decentralized. I see all of those other projects, in Ethereum included, uh, to be controlled by a small group of people hmm. that have the ability to make changes. Uh, and one of the people like to make fun of Bitcoin, that it's slow, 
uh, you can't make changes to it. Well, that's the point. If it was easy to make changes to Bitcoin, it wouldn't have decentralization. It would be under the control of very few people. So the censorship-resistant value transfer and unconfiscatability, to me, are in, uh, are nowhere near the same in all of these alternatives, uh, just because they're not as sound and they're controlled by few people. As far as the soundness of money goes, uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, people here used to love gold and silver before Bitcoin came along. They still do. They still do. Uh, and a lot of people are switching over uh, towards Bitcoin because Bitcoin is sound money. But if everyone is creating their own money, how is that sound? So to me, all these old coins is just inflation on top of Bitcoin. Like if you believe in the long-term uh, future of Litecoin or Monero or other coins, uh, but they're not as good as Bitcoin because of the uh, decentralization, shouldn't you instead be uh, trying to push inflation on top of Bitcoin uh, to devalue Bitcoin? Because And that's why I don't think they're going to last. Sound money eventually wins. Tone Vase, uh, appreciate having you on. As always, folks can go to your website, tonevase.com. That's V-A-Y-S. Tonevase.com. We got more coming up here tomorrow from Forkfest.party. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com this is a pandemic survival alert and the most time-sensitive messages you will hear this year. You still have time to plant a one-acre crisis garden and secure a supply of your own nutrient-dense food. But time is running out, and it's one deadline you don't want to miss. Who should plant a crisis garden? Individuals, families, churches, communities, anyone or any group that sees hard times ahead. Let's face it, even the mainline media is talking about food supply disruptions and the growing number of grocery store workers who are becoming sick. But there's more. Meat packing plants are closing, mile-long lines at food pantries, and more farmers now in financial trouble. The truth is, growing nutrient-dense vegetables this summer may be the single most important thing you do. Go to survivalseedbank.com and watch the new video to understand what we're really up against. Get free bonus seeds, special quarantine reports, too. Don't wait. Every minute counts. Go to survivalseedbank.com. That's survivalseedbank.com.